BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Good morning, millennials. Welcome back to the Morning Toast. Happy Wednesday. Hope everyone had an amazing day and is having an even better hump day. Theo's here, thank God. Thank God. It wouldn't be the same without him. <sighs> I think you could hear his snores on last week. Hopefully you'll hear them this week. People should be so lucky as to hear the snores of Theo. On hump day. Such a special day. I hope everyone has had an amazing week. We are having just a really fabulous time. I'm not going to lie. Like, not to rub it in rub it in or anything but we are just having a sensational time we are i, I mean at least, i don't want to speak for you okay no please i have found you know such like inner peace i know that sounds so no, weird that was the word i was gonna i would have jumped in with if i were jumping in we're i mean i've been spending so little time on my phone it's crazy and not intentionally i'm just like finding peace in nature we've been taking a lot of walks i've been eating a lot i took up coloring we're doing crossword puzzles like i feel like a 90 year old retiree living in a nursing home but that's the life no it's the life we've really embraced nature mm-hmm. like you said we've been eating a lot a lot it's really just like that movie um eat pray love mm, i never saw it but yeah that me neither <laughs> Because we're eating, I'm praying, we're and praying. I'm loving it. Loving it all. Um, we have the dogs here, we've got the babies here, like, yeah. we're just, our hearts and souls are feeling so warmed, and also, we're doing weekly episodes, as you know, if you're listening to this, but we've also been doing some fire Patreon content, so I also feel as though the work has been so rewarding so as fulfilling. well. So fulfilling. So fulfilling. Like, I don't know if I'll ever be more fulfilled by my work than the great chili cook-off of 2020. I mean, it took us all day, it took way longer to, like, film, shop, edit but the result is unbelievable like i cannot believe like how many people who were already patrons like we're living for it we got so many new patrons which thank you it is such a great way for you to support our show and you are rewarded with premium content right if you haven't seen it yet i highly recommend i myself have watched it three times we watched it on the theater in the theater room in the house that we're staying at like big time premium content and it is just so funny i'm not gonna lie as much as like the chili cook-off was everything to me and I put my heart and soul into it and into my chili and I'm not going to spoil with how it ends. Ben was the star of the show. I know, like it was killing me because, you know, like I'm so competitive <laughs> and all I want to do is talk over everyone, but Ben just really, he's a star. No, he's a star. I think we've always known that he has this flair for cooking. He mm-hmm. really is like a seasoned, seasoned chef and he is such a personality and yeah. it all came together in this beautiful way during the chili cook-off everyone really hit their stride like you were hosting you were being a game show host people are people are saying like it was some of my finest work people are calling for you to like become a permanent game show
co-host. Or Iron Chef. My husband was directing, so if you watch the video, like, some of the footage is... Some of the directing cues, you'll see the artistic direction that he took. Like, it's very artful. It's quite sickening. It's quite sickening. We had the snitch as a judge, and she was born to judge. I mean, she's so judgy already. She's She's born to do it. And Olivia as well. Just, like, so much judgment there. And then we had Olivia's husband, Zach, also as a judge. And I feel as though he's very impartial, and you needed that. You did need that. So we're not going to spoil what happened. You know, there were obviously some twists and turns throughout the cook-off but if you want to watch it's patreon.com slash the morning toast but this morning i went on a bike ride Mm. and it was phenomenal you know what i realized i was on this scenic path bike riding and i was looking around and i was thinking to myself wow they should really film a peloton scenic ride here because it's so beautiful and then i was like wow for the last four months i've been doing peloton scenic rides i am living yeah I am where I've been virtually You're trying to be. You're in it. And all you can do is think about Peloton. How sad right. is that? No, so sad. No, but then once I realized what was happening, I was like, I'm in the screen. Yeah. I realized, like, I've been working so hard to get to this moment to be riding a bike outside, and I am the scenic ride now. So if you're a patron, you can see all about that, patreon.com slash toast. Today, we have a very long, very special episode because there's so much news. We have tons of stories. All three housewives are being recapped in our TV recap segment. We're doing Dear Toasters, our advice segment, and... We are thrilled, honored, humbled, and excited to have Emma Chamberlain on our podcast at the end of this episode. It was, first of all, who's, like, we know she's, like, a cool girl, but, like, we got to, like, Zoom with her. And, by the way, the video's also up on our channel on YouTube. We got to, like, talk to her before the interview, and, like, I just felt so cool. No, I felt so cool. Like, she was making me feel, like, cool for talking to her and then also, like, a loser for being me. Yeah, no, I felt like a loser because, like, I liked her so much. No, I felt like a loser because I'm myself. Yeah. And not her. Yeah. But then I was, like, cool that whatever I've done in this life has gotten me, like, on the phone with Emma Chamberlain. Yeah, for sure. And we got Margo in the interview because you guys know Stitch Chamberlain. It was so funny. I don't want to spoil, like, the big joke of the interview but it's really funny but it's really funny and when i think back on it like i laugh me too because i also think that's something now i'm like don't worry okay i won't but i also think that's something that we do a lot when it comes to snitch yeah and we have to realize how how it sounds yeah and emma chamberlain like fully put us in our place and for that i'm so grateful to her yeah you guys are gonna love the interview she's so cool and make sure you check out her new book which is now available it is a planner Oh my god, it's a planner, it's sickening, and as, like, some planner stands ourselves, like, it sounds like a planner that is everything of the sort, and I look forward to getting my hands on it. I really do. And I look forward to having a plan. You know, that's not the thing. It's like, I have a planner, I just have no plans. But that's why Emma Chamberlain's planner is so great, because it's, it's made for the days, like, it's made with, with the days in mind where you don't have a plan. Right, it's very DIY. You don't need to plan one day, you don't have to. There's not a day there, you put it in yourself. It's fabulous. She'll tell you all about it, so... Check that out. Check that out. The video's on our YouTube if you're interested in that sort of thing. But without further ado, we have a lot to talk about. Less than I thought that we would, Mm -hmm. given that we're only doing weekly episodes. But still, I organized some of the stories like subset A and B so I could get more stories. More bang for your buck. You absolutely love a subset A. I love a subset B, too. I can't be stopped. But you know what? I really never take it to subset C. No, that... Because then it's like make it two stories. Right. But if there's like a theme... And also, like, for this, like, you'll see. I kind of just, like, did it thematically. Like, one theme is pregnancy news. Another theme is Kylie Jenner. So so much Kylie news, by the way. And I have a lot to say. Okay. I look forward to hearing your piece. So without further ado, let's get into the fast five stories that you need to know before you wake up and take a bite out of your morning toast. Guys, before I do that, you know, I've had a lot of stomach issues lately. Mm-hmm. And I went to the doctor. Mm-hmm. And I got a full diagnosis. Is anyone curious what I have? Yeah. Yeah, we are. He said, Claudia... That's beautiful. And you have a case, very rare, very rare, 
of RDH. He said, Claudia, that's RDH. And, and you know what he said? The only thing that would fix it? There's no antibiotics. Oh my God. What would fix it? Letting everyone know that today's episode <laughs> is brought to you by Casetify. And by the way, such an appropriate um, sponsor because being in the woods, like, you know, I'm really being like adventure girl. Mm-hmm. And my phone fully fell off like my terrace, but like only a few feet. But still, because I had my Casetify case on, not a scratch. Wow. I love we love to see that. I just think that's interesting. Yeah, no, it's imp- it's pertinent to the situation. We've been dying to talk about this. We use Casetify literally every single day. Casetify lets you have the best of both worlds: military grade drop protection and stylish phone cases you'll actually want to show off. They have thousands of designs to choose from, and they have like a whole custom studio. So if you want your name on it, like Emily Didonato came to the toes, and she had such a sick one. It was from Casetify. The custom studio was so sick for all different types of iPhones, Galaxies, all the, all the phones. Um, so that's really cool. But then they do sick collabs where it's like they make tech accessories with different brands 100 percent, they're so cool um they did an amazing hello kitty one that i unfortunately could not get because it sold out so fast but they did a lisa frank one like they have really interesting cool collabs and they make very very cute phone cases and i find that sometimes i buy a phone case and literally a month later like i need a new one because like the design faded or it's like literally peeling off my phone trends change trend yeah but not case to buy never case to buy is timeless They've done awesome collaborations with artists and designers. They've got collections with Sarah Jessica Parker, Pokemon, and the Rolling Stones. There's also the best collaboration ever, which is yours. You can create custom cases with your favorite colors and text, and they really do protect your phone. Case Defy's impact cases will keep your phone safe through drops of more than six feet. Yes, it, off my balcony, it <laughs> was fine. Celebrities like Kylie Jenner and Gigi Hadid are obsessed, so you know this is a phone case you can show off on your Instagram feed. It's the best of both worlds because it gets the job done, but it's also like not cute. ugly. It's so cute. Go to casedefy.com slash toast today to get 20% off your new favorite phone case. That's Casetify, C-A-S-E-T-I-F-Y dot com slash toast today to get 20% off your new favorite phone case. Casetify dot com slash toast for 20% off your Casetify purchase. Thank you, Casetify. Check it out, you guys. I, I, I think you'll, you'll be really pleased. Okay. So exciting. Thank you for that. I'm glad you got that off your chest. Yeah, and I'm already feeling better. Love, love, love to see it. <laughs> okay, first story. The Ellen DeGeneres show ousts three top producers, a variety exclusive. Mm. The Ellen DeGeneres show has overhauled its senior production team in the wake of accusations of racial insensitivity, sexual misconduct, and other problems in the work environment at the long-running daytime talk show. Three senior producers, executive producers Ed Glavin and Kevin Lehman, and co-executive producer Jonathan Norman, have been ousted from the Warner Brothers distributed syndicated strip following damning allegations raised in recent reports. Uh, Veteran producers Andy Lassner and Derek Westervelt will remain at the show as executive producers alongside Ellen. I don't know. I mean, I'm glad that they finally, like, did something. It's just been so much talk about them. Now there's finally action being taken. I don't really feel like, A, this toxic environment can really go away if not everyone at the top has been let go. It seems like she's probably just picking and choosing her favorites to stay, which is literally what the complaints against her were about. Like, everyone knows Andy's her favorite. He literally is the only one who's ever on the show, like, physically. So the fact that she chose to keep him, I feel like, is reinstating that toxic environment of favoritism and, like, harassment. Right. So I really don't have high hopes for, like, the culture shift there. I just think, who the fuck would want to work there now? I think they're going to have a hard time literally hiring people. Yeah, I think... It sends, obviously, I think to them, they thought, you know, we'll we'll cut some people, we'll throw some people under the bus. And that is what happens a lot of the time when mm-hmm. there is a big scandal. It's like, listen, we've got to give some names up. Yep. Unfortunately, your name has been drawn. Someone has to go. But I feel like 
considering the allegations that were against them, like, this sort of just perpetuates what you think is already happening at Ellen. And so either she should have worked on changing the culture from the top down or completely starting clean and bringing in new producers who just will have a different take on it. Like, when you've been working at the same place for so long, like, that's the way that you know how to do things. So I feel like... The producers who are veterans who are staying on, you know, they don't have any outside perspective of, like, there's other ways to handle to work. your business. And, by the way, I think, like, the big, you know, elephant in the room is that a lot of that toxic energy and, you know, discomfort in the work environment stems from the top the top being Ellen. Right. So I don't know if we're going to get a change within Ellen herself. I doubt that we are. I just feel like this is a major band-aid to like a huge problem. And in a lot of ways it makes me really sad because like I'm so against cancel culture and I agree that like what happened at Ellen is like wrong. But like she's had such an accomplished career and like I, where do you go from here? Like the story is not ending. We've been reporting on this now for, for months. months. Like it doesn't stop. But you know what? I actually disagree with something that you said because I actually do think that there might be a change within her after this. Oh. Uh, just Getting canceled is very humbling. It is It is humbling, and I think when you see it all laid out in front of you, I think during, when she's going about her day-to-day and she's this huge star and she has all these little underlings and it's easy to disrespect people and then treat celebrities one way and the people yeah. that work for you another way, but when you're being called out for it, I think maybe she'll stop. She has stopped and reflected and been like, you know what, that's not the legacy I want to leave. She spends so much time like trying to be positive and bringing joy into the world and that shouldn't be overlooked and I do think that is what she wants her legacy to be. Yeah. And I think that for a while she thought that that would be her legacy if she just like shoves it into the legacy yeah. box. No, that's an interesting take. But I think if she realized, no, 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 it, it's be, it's more than that and these are the things that you need to do, I think she's capable of being a decent person. I do because I think that people are capable of change. I do too. And you know what? No matter who you are, how big you are, to go from being universally beloved like there was like little things people were unhappy with her about but for the most part like she was known for being kind for being philanthropic for being a gay icon like to go from that kind of pedestal to like literally being tabloid trash it's incredibly humbling and I have a hard time believing like it hasn't affected her personally and so hopefully that personal change will radiate throughout this new work environment she's trying to foster I I, I want everyone to win I'm I, I mean I'm not like a an Ellen stand by any means but like I don't believe in like I don't know I don't know how I feel about this I feel all over the place like why was she being so nasty yeah no I feel all over the place but I also feel like okay changes have been made I'm hopeful that they were the changes that needed to be made and that the show can have a more positive vibe going forward like but like where was HR you know I feel like this is classic HR work responsibilities yeah I don't know. I mean, maybe the people who work in HR were also scared and facing the yeah. same issues that the people complaining. That's were facing. true. That's true. No one was. No one was. Uh... No, there was no one there who could like stand up to Ellen mm-hmm. or Andy. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, I'm curious if if when she comes back, like, is she going to address it? Is she we on the air heard... right now? I don't know. She like was on the air in her house. I don't think she's on the air right now. Yeah, I don't know if she's on the air, but the fact that we don't even know if she's on the air just shows that, like, people just love to talk. Yeah. And nobody actually even cares what happens with the show. Honestly, that's yeah. what's so crazy. Everyone has an opinion, but no one's even watching the show. Agreed. And Agreed. why don't you ask the people watching the show how what they, they feel. think. Yeah. How they feel. True. Okay, next up, um, this was really the big news of the week. I feel like it was a very big week for Miley Cyrus. Oh, yeah. Because she was on the Call Her Daddy podcast, mm-hmm. which is just so exciting for, podcast for podcasters everywhere. And she had her new single drop on Friday called Midnight Sky. And I have thoughts on both. Okay, so I have this E! News article 
biggest bombshells from the interview. I started listening to the interview and it was so good so far. I just haven't had time to finish it, but I very much look forward to. It's so crazy to hear Miley on a podcast. I don't know if yeah. she's done a podcast yet and has she really she was talking about how she really just appreciates the medium because she can just like speak her mind and with tv shows I'm sure even like the late night shows you only get even if it's 10 minutes like that's not a lot to to convey your whole self as a person right you can't get to relax because there's a commercial break and then you have to promote your project it's and then that's why people love podcasting it's a comfortable medium right so I think that she was really into the podcast and and love that. that she's like worn call her daddy merch so assume she's a fan of the show so it was really cool and Alex is like a huge Miley stan like Hannah Montana like so it was just like the interview that all Hannah Montana stans have been waiting for so let's talk about the call her daddy interview and then I want to talk about Miley's new quote-unquote era I don't really even like to call it that but everyone knows how I feel it's always a new era with Miley well so why does it have to be that way because you want to know why why eras are meant to represent albums Miley doesn't release albums. She just releases singles. Okay, but she, the last album I think she released was Younger Now. Yeah. No, She's, but also, what about the album, like, about I Am, She Is I? Oh, she is Sister's coming. Daughter. Yeah, sister, yeah, yeah. Sister's Mother's Daughter. She just, like, keeps, like, having new aesthetics for songs and then, like, never following up on it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've spoken about this a lot, a lot of times, and I know people don't like my opinion on it, but, like, Miley Cyrus's singing career is, like, as fake as mine. Okay, well, let's talk about the song quickly if you're just going to get read, right into it. Yeah. What do you think about the song? It's a fine song. All of her songs are, like, fine. Are they amazing, life-changing? No. Are they genius? No. Do they play once and then I never fucking hear them again? Yes. You couldn't pay me to sing one line of Nothing Breaks Like a Heart. Besides, Nothing Breaks Like, like a heart. heart. Is that even it? I don't know. That's what I'm saying. It's like yeah. so much of her music is just like a flash in the pan. Yeah. And I don't even know, like, who are her fans? Like, I just... Her music career confuses me so much. And what's so crazy to me is, like, I think she's done some of the most brilliant covers. Yes. Well, okay, so she talks about that in in the interview that I've gotten to talk about. She talks about how this song was different from her. And she's known for doing covers and, like, you know, Jolene and introducing her to her fans to, like, these songs that she loves. And Midnight Sky for her is, like, her writing an original song that is more based in the songs that she covers see that's see that's interesting like to me that is rooted in fact i just like something about her entire and i wonder if it's just me like is anyone else so confused i'm so confused i do think that like so she's done a few big like it's miley and it's the real me this time yeah there that bangers was that miley cyrus and her dead pets was that she is coming was that younger now was that and by the way younger now was that wait malibu was that yeah all of these things were that and now midnight sky is that again but i do think her releasing this song paired with a podcast is so brilliant because miley really does require this much this much explanation yeah because like we are the people who are the fans we are the fans the biggest and we're confused so it is confusing when every year she puts out new music she's like no no no, you guys this This is it but i think that's also a commentary on you know her, her changing her, aesthetic. Her ever-changing person. She's a young girl. Like, we're. I'm not who I was two years ago. I'm not who I was yesterday. Right, so every time we do a podcast, it's like, no, this is who we are. Yeah, that's true. That's interesting. I just feel like in, a, in, in she works in an industry where every artist is so cemented in their aesthetic, in their music, in their lyrics, and it's just like everything. She, you could play me a song. Any one of her songs sounds like it was written, sung, and, and produced by a different person. Yeah, but I think she doesn't subscribe to that, that, like, I need to be this pop artist and have this aesthetic and this symbolism and she is just like i'm waking up this morning i'm gonna put out who i am today well and i do 
I, I, I think it's confusing for fans because we're so used to, like, this specific trope. Mm-hmm. But I do respect that she's just trying to be herself. Well, that is, like, that viral clip of Beyonce talking about the music industry. She's like, nobody releases albums anymore. Nobody releases works of art anymore. People literally just, like, release singles and then move on with their day. And I literally think she was talking about Miley Cyrus. Oh, my God. That is so funny. Yeah. So, with all that said, I think that's why... It was brilliant that she did a podcast, mm-hmm. Call Her Daddy being the perfect one, obviously, to couple with a new, new era. Yep. And here are some of the biggest um, bombshells, according Ooh. to E! News. Uh, one, of course, is she talks about her first time like losing her virginity, having sex, was with Liam Hemsworth. But Cute. she lied to him and said that he wasn't the first so that she didn't seem like a loser. Aww. But she actually said, I didn't go all the way with a dude until I was 16. I ended up marrying the guy, so that's pretty crazy. Like, it is crazy that Miley Cyrus married the guy that she lost her virginity to. Because for so long, she was, like, so out there and so, like, oh, like proud of her sexuality, and she was bangers. Like, she was wild running around stage. And, and it's like, that girl also married the guy she lost her virginity to. Like, you really can have it all. Yeah, no, it's just, it's not what you would expect, but I think that's the point with Miley. Yeah. She also talks about her dynamic with women, in discussing her relationships with women, Miley explained why, they, why the dynamics of those relationships were a better fit. Quote, I think that's what ended up making female relationships make more sense to me because the role that I was in made more sense because it was like, well, there's not going to be this weird thing that like I paid for everything, whatever. Mm. That's just like a stereotype too. Like if I'm going to be with a girl, I'm totally down to be with like a boss bitch that's as successful or more successful than me. That's cool too. But I feel like the women that I end up being around, the role fit easier for me because like even my relationship with men a lot of the times I kind of hold a more dominant space and so it felt like that made it less uncomfortable that is such an interesting um dynamic I never thought to like compare gender like stereotypes when it comes to different types of relationships but that actually makes a lot of sense and I feel like in a lot of ways Liam was like very traditional yeah it was very traditional but I think for the time that they were together it was like she always like that was just like that soul was her her, her it was mutual that soul was her mate that soul was her what? Mate. Soulmate. Ma- oh, so, oh, got it. Yeah, yeah, Soulmate. yeah. That's interesting. She's so deep. Yeah, she talks about um, her public breakup from Liam. But also what's interesting is it just came out that her and Cody Simpson are lo- no longer together. Devastating. Devastating. Obviously not, like, so shocking. I think what's more shocking is that they were together as long as they were. Yes. Considering it was, like, kind of a rebound relationship. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't seem like like a serious guy or like someone who could hold her attention for that long no and it turned out to be like a real nice big big relationship for the two of them and so it's always sad to see two people break up but it's a new day it's a new miley i mean i can't think of cody simpson without mentioning like what we lost in the relationship of him and Gigi hadid like to me they were perfect together she was like you know a bikini model she wasn't a supermodel yet but she was just like this gorgeous blonde bombshell and like he was like this cutie blondie like they were just so perfect and australian together like even though she's not australian do you know what i mean yes no i i do know what you mean um I'm actually really looking forward to finishing this episode of Miley on Call Her Daddy because I'm not really, like, loving the way E is writing Wrapping it up. Wrapping it up, yeah. Like, they're just, I feel like they're not getting to, like, the core of the... Who she is. Of the message that was, like, or what was happening between Alex and Miley. Yeah. And so I just thought it was, it was a really big week for Miley last week. Like, I feel like she also does this thing where she's just, like, so ham on social media, promotion, full stop, all the way, or, like none of it at all so it was one of those big miley weeks and we love to see it something interesting that miley tweeted before her 
quote unquote era started was that she quoted she put up a clip like the new era is coming like this basically like this video sums it all up and it was like a 45 second clip of her music video for start all over and i guess now i'm like understanding she's starting all over yeah Oh, but you thought probably at the time that it was going to be, like, really similar to the song Start All Over. Which, by the way, not only was the song, but the music video, like, really is emblematic of my childhood. Oh, my God. For sure. And that was such a good song. Yeah. Such a good song. There's so much good Miley in the catalog. And I really do look forward to the catalog expanding. Of course. You know. And I also, I thought Alex did, from what I've heard so far, a really great job with the interview. She really, like can and is becoming like sort of a female Howard Stern yeah and I think it's very exciting fabulous you love to see it for the medium we'd love to see it for the medium okay next story some interesting hosting news Jojo Fletcher will temporarily replace Chris Harrison on The Bachelorette after he left the bubble. Can I just say, like, the way people reported on this initially, like, was so misleading. Like, yes, of course, that Chris Harrison has been fired and Jojo right. is now the, the Chris Harrison of Bachelor Nation. No, it's like he needs, he's going on break and someone needs to fill in. Like, it's not a big deal. Yeah, sources confirmed to E that since Chris left the set to take his son to college, I believe, he will now have to That's quarantine so upon return, and right. JoJo will temporarily replace him as host. Cute. On August 11th, Chris posted a picture of his son um, at Texas Christian University, and so I guess now JoJo is stepping in while he quarantines, which is a very interesting choice, not one which I would have predicted. She might have been number 15 on my yeah. list of predictions. Who would you have chosen? Oh, I feel like there are so many like real... Not that she's not a real host, but there are so many people who do hosting as their full-time job. Rachel Podcasting. Lindsay. I was going to say Rachel Lindsay, too. Um, Ali Fedotowski. Caitlin Bristow. Kate, right. There are so many people who host. Even Jordan Rogers. Mm-hmm. That's what he does as his job. Nick Vile would actually be oh. an amazing Wells. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah. they're just, the, they keep coming. And JoJo, to me, like, and I also feel like she's kind of checked out of Bachelor World right mm-hmm. now. So for her to go back at, like, the top job was just not what I would have expected for her, but I, I like I'm not it. mad about it. It's I'm just a little bit it. of a surprise. But we also love a surprise. Yeah, I just, like, hate the way people report on things these days. Like, I'm so sensitive to it. And it's like, how fucking misleading is this? Yes, no, I'm so sensitive to it as oh, well. Oh, like, Chris Harrison's fired. Like, no, he's taking his kid to college, which is so cute. I legitimately forgot that he used to be married, and he probably has kids. Yeah, and, like, they're college-aged. Crazy. Crazy. Um, okay, next story, a little fashion drama. I'm obsessed with this story. Lala Ken is calling out designer Michael Costello for refusing to make her wedding dress. Lala Ken is speaking up in the defense of Kylie Jenner. Okay, I'm not going to lie. 2020 has been a really tough year for me. But that sentence just fixed it all. That sentence has done, like, more to repair my Mm -hmm. mental health than than so many different things could have. I'm thrilled that Lala Kent could do that for you and so millions of Americans. I know I'm not the only one who feels this way. Of course not. The Vanderpump Rules star called out fashion designer Michael Costello for refusing to make her wedding dress because she is not a, quote, big enough celebrity. What a clown, this dude. I literally blew him up to make my custom wedding dress. He would have gotten all the tags and ads he's talking about, but I never heard back from him. Why? Because I'm not big enough. So cool out, Costello. You do the same shit. So she was commenting in reaction to Michael Costello slamming Kylie Jenner for not tagging and adding all the different small brands that she wears on her Instagram but she tags you know Balmain and Olivier every single time that she wears him uh we also know that Kylie has had like collaborations with Balmain and a very deep friendship between the families and he was just he like wrote a really long um 
Caption saying, thank you, Olivier, for the perfect B-Day dress. And thank you to the no-name designers who work tirelessly around the clock on custom looks who she won't tag, mention, or add, unless it's paid. He added that he was not speaking up for his work, as Kylie only wears something for me once a year, and I'm lucky if I get a decent pic to post. Well, you'll never get it again. Yeah, also... She doesn't work for you. Like, you want to pay for a post? Pay for it. You send her something with good faith, hoping she posts. It's not her job to go and find the right light for a picture for you to post. Kylie Jenner's wearing her design. Congratulations. That is, like, the cornerstone of, like, this conversation being had when it comes to influencer marketing. Like, you can send the biggest celebrity in the world a box and just... Because you got in good timing. They happen to be in a good mood that day. Like, they'll post it. Whereas they actually normally might have charged a brand $250,000 to do that. Like, Kim sometimes randomly posts, like, all these random, like, shit she gets. Like, makeup from L'Oreal. And I don't think that that shit's paid. I just think it's, like, a gesture of good faith. Right. So, But when a celebrity doesn't do it, you send them something for free and they don't post about it, that's fine, too. Right. There's nothing wrong. Like, that... That you sent them something for them to have. Like, if they want to post about it, that's obviously amazing. And it's going to do great things for your business. And, like, fingers crossed that that happens. But when they don't, you don't need to hop on and shame them. There's don't also... Send them, don't send them stuff if you're not okay with them maybe not. not posting it. But, by the way, if you send them something and they love it, of course, at some point, it's going to come up in their routine or in the background of a story. And you will get that love from them. Not even that. It all comes what, out in the wash. What you don't... What I feel like Michael Costello and maybe other people who agree with this are failing to recognize that... While Kylie might not post on Instagram a picture of the dress you gave her, it's very possible she wears it out to an event, and that exposure is just as, if not better. Kate Middleton doesn't have an Instagram where she tags what she wears, but almost everything she wears is sold out immediately because it's in the Daily Mail. Right. It's yeah. like Instagram isn't the end-all, be-all be all for designers, and I think that while maybe you don't get everything you want when gifting something to a celebrity, like, there are huge benefits, and you make that decision. Like, you... If you're sending something to a celebrity, you have to have low expectations. Either get in the gifting game or get out of it. I agree. Because you can't send people this stuff with this expectation because that's not how it works. And also, when Kylie wears something, doesn't tag the brand that she's wearing, and people love it. Like, the fans figure out in two seconds where it's from the link, and it sells out anyway. So she doesn't need to physically tag a brand in order to blow them up. So, like, he's getting so crazy over this minutia, and I, like... I I just think it's people love to like come for celebrities for doing this sort of thing and to me I don't see anything nefarious about this like you sent her something she liked it or she didn't like it she posted it or she didn't post it don't send and I feel this way just about people in general don't send something because you're looking for something in return Mm -hmm. send it because you want the person to have it move on also in many circumstances I'm sure that Kylie paid for some of the items some of it is definitely gifted but her wardrobe she has a stylist she buys clothing once you buy something from a designer yes it would be nice of her to tag it but that's not her responsibility she's a consumer technically yeah so i just i just don't agree i guess his argument is that and this is why it's like bringing back to lala his argument is that she only tags the big designers and and the no-name ones she doesn't care about but then lala's literally saying and you only care about the big celebrities mm-hmm. and to me i'm not famous enough but for michael you. costello responded with a screenshot receipt that proved that they were in communication like they did set up an appointment mm-hmm. so there's a text message that reads i think it's with it's between lala's stylist and michael's team yeah he said um that's great. He gave the address to his thing. and all, Oh, no. This was about Kylie. 
Lala Kent, you wanted us to dress you when we passed. You didn't want to buy anything. We also confirmed an appointment for you, and it was a no-show. Why are you complaining a whole year later? God bless. Oh, he said, also, please coordinate with Courtney, my assistant. Do you need her cell phone number? Right, so that text message is proof that, like, they were in communication with Lala. It, it doesn't prove that he didn't turn her down. But then also, Lindsay Chrisley said... S- Lindsay, Savannah. Okay, is there a Lindsay Chrisley? Yeah, the older one. Okay, but okay. Savannah said the same I'm thing. I'm not he, that far off. Yeah, I know. Savannah said the same thing. That, that he, he wouldn't dress her for the NBC upfronts. Right, so... They're just making this point that, you know, it's easy to throw stones, but don't live in a glass house. Yeah, no, no. Like, if you're going to come out and, like, be so, um, like, attacking in in a comment like this, you like, better you better have, to have... You better no, be perfect. Yeah, right. <laughs> you better have no fucking skeletons in your closet. And, like, now, of course, all these people are coming out of the woodwork. Like, I could see Michael Costello not wanting to best dress Savannah Chrisley or Lala Ken because he doesn't think they're high profile enough because Beyonce one time wore a dress. Like, I, I could see it. Yeah, I could see it. But then, if you're going to have that sort of standard, don't be cruel to someone who might also have some similar sort of standard that or you perceive that they have that standard when tagging brands if you're gonna have that sort of standard put your phone down yeah no it's just it was wild and i just i hope that kylie was like who's this lala ken and saw her instagram and called Same. her and now they're like all together on and boat. i and i just think it's worth mentioning um that i would bet my life kylie jenner will literally never wear another michael costello outfit in her entire life no absolutely. which is a shame because he makes really beautiful stuff he does make really nice stuff i own a few of his things that i got them from revolve Sickening. Sickening. Oh, also in more Kylie news, this is the Kylie category. Kylie Jenner was accused of captioning her photo, quote, brown-skinned girl. Kylie Jenner was under fire for captioning a photo of herself using the caption brown-skinned girl, but the star denies she ever wrote those words. The 23-year-old mogul posted a sexy snap to her Instagram on Sunday with the controversial caption before quickly editing the text to say brown-eyed girl, according to screenshots captured by a Twitter user. Kylie's initial caption didn't go unnoticed. Someone said, we saw the original caption. Please show me where and how you are a brown-skinned girl. The audacity is repulsive. But Jenner took to Instagram to say that she never made the caption brown skin girl. She said she saw online someone photoshopped this photo I posted to change my caption brown eyed girl to brown skin girl. I never said this, she wrote on her Instagram story. She furthered that the original caption was just a heart and a star emoji, which she changed to brown eyed girl a few minutes later. Hmm. That is all, she added. So this story bothered me for an, for a major reason where this story was widely reported on before Kylie responded. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we're supposed to have faith in our journalists and our newspapers that, like, they do the smallest bit of research to figure out that this was, like, a Photoshop thing. And I just can't believe that it was written up and reported, and it was, like, a hoax. Like, it's so disappointing. Like, how are we supposed to trust any fucking reporter? Like, this is... This is a joke. Like, I feel like it yeah. speaks volumes. And now it's like, it was reported as fact. And yes, it ended up being untrue. People don't fucking care. They saw the headline and they no. thought about it. And now that's what they think of Kylie. And now I'm like reading this article and the whole article is written as if it's true. And then at the bottom, it's like Jenner posted this Update. statement. Like as if maybe she's lying. Yeah, no, it's just, it's so misleading. And I feel like it's really like a dangerous precedent to like start reporting on rumors that fans started. Like I, I see that all the time. Like, a fan makes, um, like, a tweet. Oh, this actually just happened with Kylie, where, like, a fan said that Kylie didn't tag the dress that she was wearing, and Kylie was deleting all the comments of people who were tagging the brand. And Kylie went on Twitter. She's like, what the fuck are you guys talking about? She has a million comments. You think she's scrolling through and deleting them? She's That's like, my favorite one, when people are like, you're deleting comments, and it's like, no comment has been deleted. No, it's insane. So it's like... A, a fan started that it, it was a tweet and then it was reported on that she was doing that and Kylie again had to respond it's like why is it on Kylie to do the reporter's job a hundred percent I don't know why it like frustrated like really rubbed me the wrong way no that's infuriating yeah 
Okay, next story, another subset. Pregnancy news. <laughs> First up, Chrissy Teigen is pregnant. This is like... With her third bebe. She stepped out twice, and we saw two pictures of her belly. One, she was wearing this bum on cardigan and biker shorts, and she looked so sickeningly cute. She looked cute. so adorable. And I'm really, really happy for her, and I think it's cool how she explains, like, she takes a pregnancy test every month, um... And this was just like a total surprise and I think that they've been struggling recently um, to get pregnant and she just took a routine pregnancy test before her breast reduction surgery, which I'm so jealous of. Like if Beyond. wearing a sports bra out here in the nature vibes has taught me anything, it's that I need a breast reduction. No, it's so hurtful. Like so hurtful. truly. So I'm so, so happy for upsetting. her. Not only did she get like a new rack of titties, she also is getting a new baby, which is really what, what more things could you ask for? No, it's so amazing. They announced the pregnancy in, in John Legend's new music video, Wild. The video includes a close-up shot of her growing baby bump this is just like the every you know obviously it's been a tough year and like mm-hmm. there are some happy news stories that just put a, one little sprinkle on the ice cream comb and the the way they announced was so cute we love a partnership with music promoting music we do it was a brilliant business move and a, and a wonderful personal life update for the family it really is and speaking of a personal life update <laughs> for the family um Two people's names you never thought you might hear together. Chrissy Teigen and Gabby Barrett are pregnant. pregnant. I feel like we wouldn't report on Gabby Barrett if it weren't for Margot. Like, Snitch is obsessed with her. Okay, yes, but also, like, I find that Gabby Barrett is maybe in, like, my top ten most listened to artists of this year. By the way, there's a huge chance that people don't know who Gabby Barrett is. She was on American Idol two seasons ago, and she was kind of, she didn't win, but she was a huge breakout star. She's now signed to Luke Bryan's label, and she's, like, a really up-and-coming country artist. And she's married to... Uh, I was gonna say that. Oh, okay. And the that most, seems like, like the most interesting part. Yeah, well, the most interesting Not part. Not the Luke Bryan's label. The most interesting part was that, like, some guy she met, like, in Hollywood Week, he got out before her, but they're both, like, very young, very Christian, like, fell in love, got married super quick, and now they're having a baby, and it's just, like, a real country love story. It's a beautiful love story, and her music is really good, which yeah. is why I feel as though she's worthy of being, like, reported on on yeah. the show next to Chrissy Teigen. And we talk to her every year at the CMAs. Yeah, like, we made Gabby her record Ar- a video for us at the CMA She's Wars. a real staple of this show. And if you are like, oh, I've never heard of her, what's her music? Listen to Hall of Fame. That's what I'm going to go with, Hall she, of Fame. She was, um... Like, actually a little rude to us this year. She was just seemed like she did not want to be talking to us. Yeah, I mean, most people don't want to be. <laughs> Can you fucking blame her? Can you them? blame her? No. No. So, definitely not. Like, it is what it is. I'm happy for her. Congrats. Congrats. And every time, we, and it's also because, you know what? I'm going to play devil's advocate. Oh, here we go. Every time we talk to her, we're like, our little fifth or love the Yeah, yeah, And I yeah. think that's one of the most annoying things you can say to someone when it's like, no, I don't like you. Don't get it twisted. Yeah. But my little sister, she likes you. That's true. That's an interesting like, perspective. You get, like, it's annoying when people say that to us. Like, oh my God, my best friend loves you. And it's like, wait, what about you? <laughs> right, right, right. No, and you know what? I never thought of it that way. And I totally hear you. And right. And, and it's like after three years of us telling her our, our little sister loves her, she's like, are you ever going to check out my music? <laughs> she's like, by now you guys will be fans. Oh my God, that's actually, so funny. But if this finds its way to her, I'm actually a really big fan. Like yeah. when um, she's on the Quarantines playlist when we were in the car, like she's yep. the first song that I play. So I'm a big fan, happy for the family. And now before we get into Dear Toasters, I have a bonus story that's just for Claudia that I saw in page six about one of her... We're getting into Dear Toasters. We're getting into TV recap. Oh, before we get into TV recap? Yeah. That's fine. You didn't have to whisper it. Like... <laughs> I don't okay. know if you're going to cut it out, but... I just have... This is actually a great segment... Oh, segue into TV recap. Okay. Um, That former Real Housewives of New York star Cindy Barshop is... Bringing... <laughs> 
is bringing vaginal rejuvenation spa to the Hamptons. Stop. She's been trying to make this vaginal rejuvenation spa happen. Like The spot. The spot. I've literally been getting like promo press emails about it for, for years. years. Like, you want a shot in your vagina? I'm like, no thanks. No, it's like, I've been getting the promotion for so long that it's like, when she first started promoting it, I didn't need it. But 10 years later, actually, I could go for some. Can I see that picture of her? That's not no, what I remember her looking that's like. That's a really unfair picture. She had black hair, not brown. Well, she might have, this was probably And she in, had like, bangs. This was probably in the year of ombre. This is probably a very old photo of her. I'm happy that her business is expanding. Maybe she'll make it back on Housewives. And so now you know that the vajayshal is available in the Hamptons Thank God. next time you're there and just feeling like you're looking for a little rejuvenation. You know how I spend so much time in the Hamptons and my vagina is constantly getting beaten up, so. <laughs> yeah, and it's in <laughs> constant need of rejuvenation. So I think that'll be great for you. Um, we're going to dive into our TV recap segment brought to you by Nothing New. Claudia, you know what? Can I take this one? Because I actually, I just got my Nothing New sneakers um, in the mail like two weeks ago. And they're Mm -hmm. so cute. They're comfortable, durable, and sustainable. Nothing New is proving that eco-friendly doesn't need to look eco-friendly. They're made from recycled water bottles and 100% sustainable materials, including recycled fishing nets, recycled cotton, recycled rubber, etc. The list goes on. They're designed with comfort in mind. You would never know you're wearing a pair of sneakers made from recycled materials when you put them on. Why the name Nothing New? Well, because they're made from nothing new. Makes sense. They're available in low tops and high tops in 15 plus colors. I have the low tops and the high tops in the shade of pink, and it's just the perfect plenty shade of pink that I love and adore, and I think you guys will love them as well. Because it costs more to make an eco-friendly sneaker without the harmful glues and chemicals that most sneakers are made with, Nothing New doesn't offer sales or discounts at this time, but they're happy to give back to the environment. For Morning Toast listeners, they'll plant a tree for every pair purchased, so go to Nothing New dot com slash toasts that's n-o-t-h-i-n-g-n-e-w dot com slash toast and try a pair with free shipping and returns today and nothing new will plant a tree in a forest in need wow i love that that is just so wonderful check it out you guys all right let's dive into our tv recap segment so much to discuss so much all right, first up, we are talking about Real Housewives of New York, which was a, actually a pretty decent episode it of was. the ladies in Mexico. I really enjoyed it. Something about um, the trips for Rahoni always elevates it because the houses that they stay at are so nice and the trips are so lavish, and that's what we're missing in their home life. Of course, but also because the trips on any housewives are always the best part of the season. Yeah. And so it's been sort of a random season to begin with. So to have them all under one roof, you know, you don't get to get away with your behavior from the night before. We're going to talk about it. At yeah. breakfast the next day, it does bring everything full circle. And people, Dorinda, are starting to be held accountable, yeah. which is just music to my ears because... You'd love to see it. I absolutely love to see it. She is unbelievably infuriating. The end of the episode where at the caves when they're having lunch and she's acting like an actual sociopath lunatic. It was driving me nuts. We'll get into all that, but I agree. It is such a weird season. And you know what was so weird is like the night that Dorinda couldn't go out to dinner, only four of them were at dinner. And in other franchises, okay, if one There's person... There's like seven. If one person can't come... We're still a full table. They were sitting at a four top. Yeah. It was crazy. It's really crazy. But of course, that was the highlight of the episode for me. And it was interesting to take out the one variable in mm-hmm. the group who's causing all the trouble, but also thinks that like she's the grand maestro. The moral compass. No, and she is like the one who planned the trip. So she's responsible for the itinerary, etc. So I guess that 
gives her some semblance of leadership on this trip. But to take her out of the equation and just see how the girls had such a great and fun dinner without her, I was so happy to see that it's true. They get along when she's not there, Mm -hmm. making everyone upset and hurting their feelings. Also, the two guys that were there, I can't even imagine what that dinner would have been like without Dorinda because I feel like she just would have... You mean with Dorinda? Yes, with Dorinda because I feel like she just would have been attacking the ladies for like being sort of desperate and cougary. But you know what? That is who they are. It's their brand. They thrive when they're they're at their best Mm -hmm. and most crazy when they just get to be flirting with some younger guys. You you love to see it. You really do. Let's start at the top of the episode with the whole breakfast extravaganza. Because to me, what was so, um, you know, what I took away from the scene was Ramona Singer's bathing suit. She looked amazing. And I don't always agree with her, like, weird walking around a bikini with her back super arched in, like, wedges. It, always in wedges and maybe, like, a hat tucked under her arm. Yeah, she, like, she acts like she's, like, at the... In, in Portofino, like when she's living in her backyard, which honestly I respect. I do respect, but sometimes she just looks extremely out of place. But there was a shot of her from the back overlooking the ocean in her lemon wedge bathing suit. She was like pondering. She was pondering life and she really looked amazing. And I just feel as though she needs props need to be given. Yeah, and honestly. I actually, for a second, I didn't know who it was. It kind of looked like Tinsley. Oh, yeah. But she's obviously not there. I mean, props need to be given for this trip because honestly, the women have been looking so run down in New York. Like their (laughs) outfits are just, they're awful. Not even like, not even like they're trying and it's like not my style. It's just like not elevated whatsoever. But they all got out their best caftans and their straw hats for this trip and they look pretty good, I have to say. They do. Leah brought some great looks. I loved the green bikini and the see-through um cover-up. Yeah, that was a great moment. Dorinda and her Versace one-piece. Very Fabulous. Cute. Very much enjoyed that. Now, Luann's outfits are some of my least favorite, but she carries herself. Maybe it's because she's so tall, but with this, like, grace and elegance that I always just, like, respect her when she shows up. It's like, you can take the countess out of the marriage, but you can't take the countess out of the woman. No, it's like, you could take the title out of the girl. No. no what you, you said take, was better. You could take the girl out of the countess, but you can't take the countess out of the girl. 100%. She really... There's something that quite county about her. Yeah, even in her low moments, she really always has this great turn. She's really turning into one of my favorites this season just because she's so not problematic and she's pretty reasonable except for when she lets Dorinda slide. And I know that it's because she doesn't want to go back down that dark, dark path. Because every time she calls it Dorinda, she's reminded that she has a mugshot. Yeah. Who would do that? No, it's a terrible and friendship. It, and it's like you can... you She can't call Dorinda out on anything because Dorinda just has what she thinks is this trump cart that's like mm-hmm. at least I don't have a mugshot. Right, but it's like, honestly, I would argue, like, what you have is worse, which is a bad fucking attitude. No, you have, like, all of this footage of you being an asshole. Totally. That's really embarrassing. And just because Luann got arrested for her drinking doesn't mean her drinking is more problematic than Dorinda's. Couldn't agree more. She was really a wrong place, wrong time kind of girl. Yeah, I guess Dorinda just, like... Drinks in her house. Drinks more privately. Um, My other main takeaway from this episode is that if I'm ever given the opportunity, I will turn down a trip planned by Dorinda Medley because she doesn't stop torturing everyone, like waking them up in the morning for the yoga. And it's like she made them go out the night before for Sonia's birthday and everyone's so hungover. And then she wants everyone up at 9 a.m. And then they drink again. And now she didn't go out. So now she's waking everyone up to go to the caves. And it's like, is this vacation? Can no, we relax? Here's the thing. And I think most vacation goers need to decide, is this an active trip or is this a drinking trip? Because it can't be, be both. both. I agree. Because I can't go to the caves hungover. Leah is a stronger woman than I am. And the way that these women like don't get hungover mm-hmm. from their drinking, it's it really is in your genetics, actually. I think like actually hangovers are genetically better or worse. Okay. And these women are just blessed yeah. with these non-destructive hangovers. Like if I drank as much as these women did, I would be in bed until we went to the airport. I was like legitimately nauseous watching them like wake up, tumble into that 
caravan with their pillows. Like, it was just awful. And Dorinda was, maybe it's just that Dorinda, everything Dorinda's doing is bothering me because that meal where she, like, stumbled into where Leah and Sonia were peacefully working. How lovely is that? And by that? the way, they were having a really interesting conversation about their businesses. And it is nice to see them in these moments of, like, having their shit together. 100%. Like, Leah's at her computer talking about sales. I would love to know more about Leah's business, by the way, because she is an entrepreneur. I've heard of Married to the Mob. Like, it's a really cool streetwear brand. You heard of it brand. before Housewives. Yes, I heard of it before Housewives. And it's interesting to see. I don't need to see them being hot messes all the time. You need to, like, balance out. Yeah. It's like a work hard, play hard sort of thing. And no, I don't want to see multiple scenes of them working. Working, but like there is this question hanging over all these women like where is the money coming from aside from the show so to see a scene yeah. where like they're actually doing Job, work their and jobs being productive and, and prioritizing other things it was a change of pace and it was interesting and dorinda claims to be like so on team sonia like wants the best for her like wants her to move up 100 and it's like this is actually really important and the way they just minimize what sonia had to do like how long does it take out to send an invitation she's still doing that like leave her alone she's this is something she's passionate about and maybe if dorinda had something a business she was passionate about she could understand but yes. she can't a hundred percent also and then she's like and then she's like oh i have stuff to do too i'll go answer live with kelly and ryan like Okay, that's what a publicist is for. They all have publicists. It was just such bullshit. Such bullshit. And she was waking them up in the morning, which, by the way, biggest pet peeve. You do not wake Agreed. a sleeping person, like, unless there is a fire in the home, but mm-hmm. whatever. Waking them up at 8.30, like, running around being so annoying, trying to get them to be together to do this yoga. And then when they finally get to the table and they are all together, she goes and ruins it. So it's like, do you want us to be together or you just want to bring us together to ruin our good time? Yeah, she was just being so unreasonable. Like, one, people need to work, first of all. Like, they have to make a living. So that's just you being unreasonable. And two, why ruin a perfectly good like sunrise breakfast it looked so nice and everyone was getting along yeah everyone was getting along like sure not working at the table it's not ideal but this is it's it's not like they went out to dinner one night and everyone's on their phones like it's an extended trip like people need to find pockets of time to work so that's fine and her saying like because i do understand the principle of like no phones at the table we have that rule in our house too Uh but like at a certain point when we're on a long trip like people's got to do what they got to do and her saying like i say to hannah like no work at the (sighs) table like Okay, yeah, that's a perfect example. These aren't your children. 100%. Stop treating them like it. 100%. And Leah said it perfectly. I agree. Like, you're, being on your phone at meals is rude. But this isn't like an organized meal. They were sitting there first, eating breakfast from the buffet. It was very relaxed, very casual. And then, like, Dorinda being sober and being that mean, it was just, like, eye-opening. She's just the worst. So it just set off the episode, like, a really bad tone for me. I really was getting mad at Dorinda. And I'm wondering if everyone else who watches the show or recaps it feels this strongly about Dorinda right now but people love Dorinda and they've loved her since she came on and honestly I despised her when she (laughs) came on so I already feel like I'm on a different planet than other people I agree um I thought one of the most interesting moments of the episode was when Sonia and Ramona were back in their room and they were just gossiping about how Dorinda's the worst and Ramona suggested you know like we should talk to her like maybe like I don't know maybe she's in menopause and Sonia you know every now and then Sonia says something so profound and feminist she was like well you can't say that that's like asking someone if they're in a bad mood because they're on their period which is like the rudest fucking thing and you know what she was so right and i never thought of it that way yeah no she just summed it up so perfectly and so apt and i'm glad that they didn't go in with that messaging because it would have delegitimized everything that they were trying to say because that is an offensive thing to say no it's just so fucking rude so fucking rude um, and, and offensive the, to women who are going through menopause because not all of them are acting like Dorinda. No, no. You can go through menopause and not be a beast, okay? You can be a nice person. <laughs> totally. Um, so, okay, so then Luann and Leah pick up those guys who were both really cute. Obviously, one was cuter than the other. But and, the other one was, like, still cute compared to some of the things they usually bring home. Things. 
No, yes, agreed. <laughs> Compared to some of the people who, like, stumble into the house at night, yeah. they were both above average, very, very cute. Um, and I love that they met them at dinner, and I also, again, loved that Dorinda wasn't there. It was just not the right environment for her. No, like, she would have just been making so much fun of them. It was... Because I feel like us watching it, we're like, Dorinda's ruining the good time. Dorinda's mean. Mm -hmm. So to have, like, literal an example of that variable taken out and showing that they're having a blast, Mm -hmm. even though they did have a blast the night night before for Sonya's birthday party. Yeah, but, yeah, 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 yeah. But still. But Dorinda, like, controlled the whole event. That birthday party was fun, but it was, like, Dorinda's, it was supposed to be for Sonya, but Dorinda was controlling everything. She she just bothers me so much. But, yes, I agree that um, it was way more fun that she wasn't there. And I have to say, I have been to that restaurant in Cancun. It's these two restaurants. Portofino is where they at where we're at and then harry's next door they're amazing restaurants like if you're ever in the cancun area go because some of the places they go on housewives it's just like restaurants that will let them film yeah and it's not always like the best or the prettiest or the most delicious but it's such a good restaurant it was really making me me and ben went there we had a fabulous time no it looked really really good the women were obviously being embarrassing like standing up and dancing and then that other guy stood up and danced in the middle of the restaurant with the mariachi band like i did feel like a lot of secondhand embarrassment like just for the people around them yeah you could see everyone in the background like staring at them but i also do like that they don't give two fucks yeah no it's admirable and like i feel like when you're on the show so long and like literally people just like stare at you you're a spectacle everywhere you go like little restaurants in small mexican towns like you just start to start to not give a shit yeah and i do think a lot of the women think very highly of themselves and and they they see it's very like voyeuristic like these people are watching us perform yeah and we're being filmed and i think you get you have this sense of like we are the performers mm-hmm. like we don't we're not like going to judge ourselves the way an average person sitting at a table dancing might yeah no that that night just honestly looked so, like so much fun and all the footage they had from late night that they didn't run but they kept flashing back to like Leah making out with that guy was just like that's what it should be that, no that's what a girl's trip to Cancun when you're all single should be about yep. now I'm just sad like no one hooked up with the other guy I know he was cute yeah he, he was fine like obviously, he was older. obviously Leah's getting the hottest one like I don't of course I don't know what's the confusion no I know I, I feel like in a lot of ways they like like Leah but for that reason like there's always going to be something about her they don't like because they used to bring home guys and like maybe Luann or Ramona would get them but now it's obviously Leah's yes but I also think they like they have a complicated relationship with her because they like having her around she brings up the group yes she's bringing that guy in from the beach I don't know if he would have followed Ramona and Sonia totally you know so when Ramona walked out and there was like two guys there and we got to see we got to like watch her realize what was going on and like her being so excited it's those moments where it's like she's everything no and it's those moments where like you really can't hate her that much because she just went from being like she was obviously like in a bad mood till she walked outside and literally her life lit up yeah. she was lit from within she was lit from within and it's like <laughs> she knows that everyone says this stuff about her like Ramona's yeah. in heat Ramona's a cougar and someone with more self-awareness would pretend to be less excited when there's young guys around you know just like to try and change the narrative but no yeah. she is who she is She's unapologetic, and then it's it's fucking hilarious. I was with her the whole episode until they, like, randomly decided to take the opportunity to ambush Dorinda after the caves. And first of all, the caves, like, that just did not look like my ideal day. Like, with the rappelling and the long car ride, and then, like, the lunch at a picnic table. It just, like, Dorinda needs is doing the most, and she needs to stop. Well, according to her, she needs to get them exhausted so they stay out of trouble. But meanwhile... You are the trouble. She needs to look in the mirror and say that. Yeah. Get me exhausted so I stay out of trouble. So when they sat down for lunch, I mean, I could not literally fathom the hypocrisy of Dorinda. Okay, by the way, I totally understand it's very different taking a phone call from your daughter. You always pick it up. Would it have been, like, slightly more respectful to 
stand up and leave the table? Yes, but she didn't. Once she was on the phone and found out, no, Hannah wasn't in any trouble. She just needed to hear this thing about her new job. Congratulations. She just kept on. And like, that's where I feel like the daughter card is yeah, it's no more. Yeah. Also, take a phone call from your daughter. You should leave the table. If you're not going to leave the table and you're going to be rude, don't put her on speaker. I mean, that was weird too. Like, like the whole thing. The whole thing was so rude and then her and also just like if people are telling you like hey can you take the call away from the table like it's not an opportunity to just like attack 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 she cannot have one thing said to her that's even slightly offensive because she just fucking blows up and that's why i think ramona handled it so poorly and sonia said it best she was like what is ramona doing with these crocodile tears she's literally ruining our whole plan she's taking away from the message which was on point but the dramatics and the hysterics are leaving it room open for dorinda to like make fun of her make fun of the and the situation and delegitimize what they're trying to say even though everything that they're saying is completely right like dorinda does go from zero to 100 and doesn't let it go maybe like she used to and it's also happening not just when she's drunk and when she's drunk she doesn't even apologize anymore so the alcohol is not even an excuse anymore people have let her get away with stuff for so long that she doesn't even know what saying sorry is like yeah she's in, literally in her soul she's incapable and even though i would have liked to see leah jump in, like yes a, a test to what she has seen I respect her for not. I do. And if it wasn't Dorinda she was defending, I would I would have like, and I do have like a lot of respect for her not jumping on the bandwagon. It's okay. very, it's very easy. Dorit and Denise yeah, it's, style. Yeah, it's so easy to like just go with the majority and just like say whatever is, it fits the narrative. And I respected her because even though she knows Dorinda's kind of crazy, Ramona has been really mean to Leah and Dorinda has had Leah's back through all the Ramona bullshit. So for her to just like take the other girl's side and jump on Dorinda would be so like inauthentic and honestly not very Leah. But Leah is so smart and well-spoken that some of the women like they have, they're so messy when trying to get their point across. Yeah, they could have used her voice. Yeah. It would have helped get their message across, which I think was what Ramona was trying to say. Like we needed you back there. Yeah. But Leah's just not that kind of girl. And I do have to respect that, even Me though I, I would have loved to hear her chime in. I mean, as but well. that behavior from Dorinda, like laughing with the cell phone, walking back to the car, being an absolute sociopath. Like that to me, it's like, the worst type of person. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like, like refusing to hear what anyone has to say about you. Like thinking you are so fucking amazing and great. Like no one can critique you. Like it was just so frustrating. Like your, your friends are upset at you. Even if you don't agree with them, you don't hear them out. No, she doesn't. No, she doesn't. She really doesn't. But I think you, that kind of goes for all the women. Like Ramona has that style. Yes. Ramona's not evil. Like, and doesn't say really evil things. Like, she says things that are messed up, but, like, she's not trying to hurt. She just is, like, speaking her mind. Like, when Dorinda says something mean, like, she's trying to cut you down. I mean, When I Ramona believe... says something mean, it's, like, an accident for her, you I know? Couldn't... Well, she makes it seem like an accident. I don't know if it actually is, but... You no, know, it's like she didn't know in her head that that was a mean thing to say. Well, to me, like, I couldn't believe there wasn't more of an uproar from the audience, like, the Bravo audience and even the other women when she, when Dorinda made that absolutely vile comment to Tinsley about having a turkey-based her baby. Yeah. Which is, I think, one of the most offensive things I've ever heard on Housewives. It's like, and everyone laughed and just, like, like justice for Tinsley. No wonder why she ran from that fucking show. Dorinda was so evil to her. Yeah. No, I agree. And now she's turned it on the other women and maybe someone will stop her in her tracks because now it's it's at their door and you know what maybe if they had put dorinda in her place when it came to tinsley earlier of course maybe now she wouldn't be they wouldn't be her next victim of course that's always how it goes so it's actually quite complicated now there's different alliances but 
Overall, I think it was a decent episode. It was a decent episode, but we've got to get shit together for next season. Like, we need three new Leahs, and we need to just change the narrative of the show. Because now all of the women are, are big stars. They've been on the show for 10 years, and they're stuck in their ways. And they're not going to be told that, that what they did was wrong, and they're right. sure as fuck not going to apologize. Yeah. And that's not a productive episode season of Housewives. It's yeah. not like how the Housewives ecosystem works. Yeah. So they've got to switch it up. But it'll be interesting to see the reunion. I really hope there's a lot of accountability for Dorinda because it's really infuriating to watch someone act this way. Well, the good news is that since it's been such a lackluster season, Tinsley will not be joining the reunion. There really isn't a lot to she talk about. She is at the reunion. She is? She is. I saw on her Instagram she was at Ohika Castle. <gasps> oh, I mean, I'm just like so beyond that. I literally forgot. Whatever. All I'm saying is... Not a lot happened this season that they could fill a two-part reunion with. Like, I feel like they have to devote a lot of it to Dorinda. Yeah. I hope, at least. I hope so, too. Well, I liked it, and I thought it was a good episode. I thought so, too. Okay, let's talk about Beverly Hills. The ladies are still in Rome, and we're just getting so many more looks, so many more moments. It was a good episode, honestly. I'm getting to the point where I'm, like, ready to China this whole conversation. Oh, of course. I'm ready to China this whole conversation. I thought you were going to say you're getting to the point of ready to get back to the 90210. Well, that too. And it's like, yes, the trip, I feel like we've gotten as much as we can out of this trip. We've squeezed all the juice out of it. The ladies have lost steam in themselves. You could see, like, Arcelle leaving the restaurant to cry. I know, and I'm sure the ladies, like, girl, I've been there season one, my first season. (laughs) No, my first trip. Yeah, my first trip. I miss my kids, too. This is insane. It's insane. Like, Erica in Hong Kong. Like, yes. That she broke down. Crazy. So I totally get that. But it's like, I feel sad that they're leaving Rome. I don't want them to go home. But like, I'm ready to go home and deal with, you know, we can only deal with this conversation as much as we are in Rome in like this isolated place. Obviously, they need to bring Brandy back into the equation, yeah. which I don't agree with. Um, so I'm sad that Rome is over, but I we got so much out of it. I really can't complain. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm, I'm ready. Like... I was like, enough with the Rome. Like, let's get back to business. But it's just frustrating because I feel like towards the end of the episode, we made a lot of progress in dropping this. And then for the preview for next week, it's like, we're back in Beverly Hills. Brandy's at the baby shower, even though she's not friends with Teddy. Like, right. it's, it's just as so if, stupid. It's as if Rome never happened. It's as if, you know, Kyle and Teddy had that conversation with Brandy. And then the next week, they're at the baby shower and they're talking about it with Brandy again. Well, so this theory rumor that I don't want to give too much light to because I don't know if it's true, that that scene at Kyle's house with teddy and brandy was actually filmed after rome that actually might make sense if you think about it it might the only and for me it doesn't change that much except to say that when kyle and brandy teddy first heard about it that if it was off camera that meant that they didn't have to bring it up in rome and like that is just so mean that they did if they didn't have to if it really was filmed but they obviously knew that she had something to say mm-hmm. before they called her over to Kyle's house. So I don't think the whole thing was so accidental. So or, natural. Or coincidental. And so for me, like, I really do feel like them bringing Brandy as a source as to what Denise said about the other women, what Denise does in her personal life, is just out of bounds for what the show is about. I agree. And we've spoken about that a lot. Like, what is considered fodder for the show? What is not? And gossiping about your coworkers to a friend does not consider doesn't count having sex with your friend doesn't count either no like and also if your husband is having cheating rumors that doesn't count we've made that clear yeah if your husband's having legal issues that doesn't count we've made that clear yeah so i think the the women they they went below the belt considering the belt is really fucking high for them usually yeah and that's like last season when camille was just going after dorit for her money problems and literally every woman at the table the second it came out of camille's mouth every woman was like whoa whoa we don't go there chill 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 and it's like where is that energy no that energy is completely gone so let's get into the episode we started with a continued dinner, dinner the second dinner in rome where they're talking about 
the rumor. Yeah, that room, I mean, that dinner was pretty brutal for Denise, honestly. Like, every, Lisa was really, like, on her high horse, and everyone, they were just making no goddamn sense. Like, they were so offended that Brandy said, um, that she had sex with a, a bunch of the other women, according to Denise. Like, they were so mad that Denise re- said that, when that's literally what they did! Yeah. Yeah, but they think that Brandy's telling the truth, which is so confusing because Rinna said at one point, like, I don't know what to believe, but we know Rinna and Brandy have a really terrible past. Terrible. And Rinna and Denise are friends for, like, 20 years, so I don't understand what part of this is confusing for her. Oh, you know who has a worse past than Rinna and Brandy? Kyle and Brandy. Right, right. So all of a sudden, they they trust Brandy as, like, this truth-sayer. She's the truth serum. She's the truth serum, but they have real good friendships with Denise, but, like, I don't understand, and Denise said this, like, why is Brandy's word stronger than mine? I do think that a lot of, like, between all of the different things Denise said at all the dinners, like, there's inconsistencies, and I don't... She's lying. No, and, and sometimes I like a housewife who, like, I know won't tell a lie. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And, like, you, once you tell a lie, you do lose that credibility, and, Teddy. like, everything that you say is sort of, you know... We're going to take it with a grain of salt and we'll need proof. And Denise doesn't have that anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, she definitely doesn't always tell the truth. because. But then also she tells the truth in her confessional. And it's like, honestly, watching the two back-to-back, it's fucking hilarious. It's like, yeah, I'm going to say whatever I need to to get out of this dinner unscathed. These people are annoying me. Oh, and here's the real tea. When I'm yeah. home comfortable in my house three months later. Yes, I agree. Sure, her lying is so messy. And while I think it's funny, it gives Teddy and the other women, like, well, you said that last night. And then last night you said you never spoke to her. Right. And then it, it undermines her whole story. But then... Then when she said the thing about Erica and she said, like, I never said that about Erica. I swear on my mother's grave. Mm-hmm. To me, that's like, okay, maybe you lie sometimes, but you're not lying if you're saying that. Of course. And, and the if women, she said that, why didn't they just drop it? No, and the women would not accept that. They're like, whoa, don't say that. Okay, wait, why can't she say that if she's telling the truth? Right. You know? So, like, that's the thing about being a liar is, like, everything you say, no one will believe anymore. But I do feel like if you swear on your mother's grave, someone should believe you. Unless you swear on your mother's grave once and it turns out you were lying. Yeah, but can I just ask, swearing on your mother's grave, like, if if the mother's dead, isn't that like a, like a victimless crime? <laughs> you know? Like, like okay. if, you said, if you said, I swear on my dad's life. My dad's dead, so. Okay, no, no, no. But, like, if you said, like, I swear on my dad's life, like, that's dead. Those are heavy words, though. Like, you wouldn't yeah, say that. of course. That. Like, why bring my dad into right. it? Right, <laughs> why bring his life or his grave his into legacy. it? His legacy. Yeah, and also, it could mean, like, chaos for the grave if you're lying. Oh, right, like, burning in hell or something. Totally. Okay, yeah, no, that was, she She went far, but still, like, nothing she said, the woman would have believed her. It was just a frustrating, like, conversation. The only one really sticking up for her was Garcelle, and Garcelle was really being the hero of the episode for me in a lot of ways, except I did have a problem with one thing she said, which I'll get to, but I just loved that, like, she she spoke for the literally for the first time at that meal and Kyle immediately cut her off, which is I know I'm the pot calling the kettle black, but like I'm not on TV. Right. And it is so annoying how literally someone starts a sentence and Kyle's like literally up their butt and she never lets anyone speak. And Garcelle like straight up called her out. She was like, let me finish. And she needed, Kyle needed to be put in her place. Yeah, I agree. Garcelle is the friend that everyone needs. And Garcelle's faith in Denise, like, makes me have more faith in yep. Denise. And it's like, I even if Denise is lying, like, I feel okay about supporting this liar. Because way. the way she's being treated is unfair. And it's like, it's like, even when, you know, um, I'm trying to think of, like, a proper analogy. But, like, sometimes it's not the way, ugh, I'm not going to be able to articulate this, like, it's not the message, it's the delivery. delivery. You yeah, know? yeah, of course. At the end of the day, I think we can all agree Denise is fully fucking lying. But I think the way in which all the women ambushed her and set her up and spoke about this thing that was off air, below the belt, it, it for me, it uh, Del- exonerates her. Yeah. Like, I don't give a shit that she's lying. These women are just being so mean. And 
they just don't fucking let it go. And they keep saying, Denise isn't letting it go. They're not letting it go. Yeah, they're not letting it go. It's going to come up at every single dinner when she finally tries to put it to bed. Like, then it's like, we didn't get to talk. You talked all night. Oh, no, that you was... You talked all night. That that meal was frustrating because, like, finally Denise speaks. She literally didn't say anything at all these meals. And then the last one, she finally says her piece. And she's not letting anyone speak. She's silencing the group. Like, are you kidding? And you know what? The group cares more, in my opinion, about finding the truth about Brandy more so than the the truth about the gossip. Like, they don't even care about the shit she allegedly spoke about them, like Teddy and Erica. They care so much about finding the truth about the sex. And that's so fucked up because it's none of their business. Yeah. No, I actually kind of feel the opposite. Like, they also care. Like, they think that if the sex part is true, right. it means that what she said about them is also true. But here's the thing. And I actually don't think that that's the case because the way Denise explained it, like Brandy said, they seem yes. like she just agreed, which technically doesn't make either of them a liar because, yes, Denise did not say those things. At, but Brandy's not lying either. And I actually think that's might maybe what happened. Like, Brandy was just, like, talking about the women with her. And he's like, yeah, yeah. Like, who? why are you going to defend, like, Teddy to a stranger right. when it's like, I'm just getting through a conversation? No, also, I genuinely, in my soul, don't think that Denise gives a shit enough about any of these women to, like, start talking shit about them. Like, these are people she works with. I don't think she thinks too hard and long about them that when she's off camera in her free time, she's spending time gossiping about these women who she's known for less than two no, years. No, but I do think Brandy does. Of course, because Brandy's whole life is the show. Right. And she's not even on it. Yeah. Um, then they move over to the club and like things get so weird and Lisa's like, does anybody want to air anything out? And Garcelle brings up what I think was like one of the most inappropriate questions. And like, I just didn't get why she said it or what the point of her saying it. And she like asked a question without an actual question, basically just stating if Lisa thinks that Lisa dancing on Instagram with her body out on, you know, in bathing suits has contributed to her, um, daughter's very public battle with anorexia and like whether or not anyone thinks there's validity to that like I just thought it was first of all so random like what are you talking about and two um like kind of really fucked up okay I get why you think that and I don't feel as strongly about it as you do because I feel like the women keep saying let's be honest let's be honest how do you feel let's have real honest conversation so Garcelle brought up something that she has feels has a question about she was being honest and yeah it was kind of like offensive and not totally pc pc um but she was being honest so do you want everyone to be honest or you want everyone to be non-offensive that's fair i just like i think garcelle is better than that like i have high hope like i hold her to a high standard like okay but think about it from this way like garcelle comes into this group i think she's making like a decent friendship with rinna but she does have this lingering question about her like she does post these videos on instagram her daughter is battling an eating disorder and like this is a person who you're becoming close friends with like and you have this lingering question and everybody wants you to be honest yeah no I'm not agreeing with you I just think it crossed the line I I agree that watching it on tv it doesn't feel totally right to have asked that question but I feel like being in putting yourself in their shoes it's like not as crazy I just didn't like it it rubbed me the wrong way and I think Garcelle can and and will do better okay so we shouldn't be honest then we shouldn't be honest we shouldn't be honest about like things that are that we're wondering okay Kyle's really like the the queen of be honest no Rinna is yeah even Doreen in her confessional was like we just want to have real honest conversations I can't stop no and so no that's what everyone always says be authentic own it okay but be honest yes but Lisa's not lying no, but it's like, here's something that I find troubling about you, and I'm going to be honest about it. See, I don't I don't agree. Like, uh, we're not going to agree no, on this. No, you want us to be honest, but not too honest. Shut That's, the fuck up with the honesty. No, 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 but like, if you watch all the seasons back, like, that is the... The, the thread. The token word. They want Denise to be honest. Like, yeah. So Garcelle's like, oh, yeah, me honest? Here's something that I find confusing. Okay, I feel you. I just don't... I, I, I don't like it. I understand. It wasn't, it wasn't comfortable to watch. And okay. like... 
I, if I were Garcelle, I wouldn't have said it. Of course. But I'm just trying to make you see, like, it didn't just come out of nowhere. In which the conversation, is what it, felt like. it felt like that. It did feel like that. Um, okay, whatever. The next morning, everyone, like, splits up into weird pairs, and the only pair worth discussing is Denise's lunch with Lisa, even though it wasn't lunch because they didn't eat, and they were just, like, sitting at a restaurant with plastic water bottles. I think it was a hotel lobby. Yeah, Which yeah, is, yeah. like, where you sit on a vacation. It was really interesting. I mean, I've honestly been mad at Lisa Rinna. Like, Me I too. feel she Lisa really... Lisa Rinna, you're the bad guy in this story. A hundred percent. Like, she really... When do we get to that line? I don't know. I need to get there soon. Lisa was being a bad friend to Denise. She didn't warn her. She didn't back her up. Like, literally, at any turn, she could have helped her friend. Like, she chose not to no and also denise is saying like you didn't have my back you didn't have my back it's like not only did she not have your back she was going the hardest at you at the table if you don't like it get out of here you know not only did she not have your back but she stabbed you in the back <laughs> she was the one holding the knife yeah it was rena in the restaurant with, with a knife. knife no it's so true and honestly denise is a bigger person than i am because like i feel of all the things like teddy bringing this up was like really low but like Teddy and Denise don't get along. Teddy doesn't owe Denise anything. Lisa Rinna and Denise have, like, this lifelong friendship that's, like, you're throwing it all down the drain. I was really, really disappointed. And, and I love that Denise forgave her. And I did think that um, Lisa Rinna was really genuine in her breakdown. Okay, so I loved the conversation. I love that Denise laid it all out there and, like, just let her know, like, I'm hurt. What are you doing? You're my friend. Like, you're supposed to have my back. What is this? What is this betrayal? Right. And then, like, I really did like that Rinna was apologetic and so upset and realizing what she had done but then I'm like sitting there watching this I'm like I'm watching two actresses like yes what yes what is real about this I don't know they're both good actresses I felt like I was watching a soap opera when Reno was like what have I done I just haven't been myself lately no I'm like it's literally a script from the young and the restless yeah no it, it literally feels like days of our lives so that part is that that's when i'm just like this is why we shouldn't have actresses on our reality television it's extremely misleading but i it's felt con- the genuineness i the um optimist in me is gonna take it as genuine but the cynic in me is just like are we acting well you know what even and if they're I acting also, I don't, lisa's ability to recognize the fact that she hasn't been a good friend and admit it has to be real that's true like even if she doesn't feel so sorry at least she knows that she was wrong and i do i do really appreciate when someone can just say they're wrong mm-hmm. apologize and move on like like we said in our previous recap like dorinda could really learn something yep. um from this instance and so i will take that but it did i did have this moment of like i'm watching actresses yeah. on reality tv are they acting? It was meta. It was confusing. For it sure. was confusing. So that was like a good meal and I felt good about it. But what I didn't like was that Lisa Rinna then met up with Kyle and Dorit after their sidecar thing to like talk about. And the way she portrayed the conversation that she had just had was not the conversation I watched. That's not what I was going to say. Oh, okay. Was like she was basically explaining how she feels she's been a bad friend. And Kyle like was literally arguing against it. She was like, no, but like Denise needs to be honest. Like she was just like trying to revert Lisa back into the place she was yeah. in last night. Yeah. When Lisa can't had to come to Jesus moment. Kyle did not. And she was trying to drown Lisa with her. Yeah. And I do think for Rinna, like she is kind of a sponge. And so when she's talking to Denise, she yeah. sees Denise's side and she's there and she feels it. And then she's talking to Kyle and she's like, oh yeah, well she wasn't honest. And she's there and she feels that too. Kind of like how she described going to all those different t- churches with the families yes. on the street. That yeah. is literally what she's doing She does in what's popular. Yeah. She just is like, she, wherever she is, there she is. Yeah. Whoever she's with, that's who she is. She's like Cameron Westcott from Dallas who just nods every time someone's talking to her. So, like, it, it feigns agreement. No, but then Cameron Westcott doesn't go out and pick up the bat and yeah. start swinging. No, of course not. She's too classy for that. <laughs> no, but she just absorbs it all as a... Sp- but, like, she doesn't regurgitate the information. Yes, yeah, so you're right. Lisa's easily persuaded and, like, um, 
her mind is easily molded by others. Yes, but then she also is such a force in the group. So it is this interesting, I guess not one person is ever just so one-dimensional. Yeah. You know, and she can be all of those things. But we finally get to the dinner, like them talking about going to eat pizza and then like getting dressed up with their pizza look. And that authentic Italian restaurant was giving me life. I absolutely have this like overwhelming desire to go to Roma. Yeah. You know Roma backwards is amor. It's beautiful. That means love, Claudia. It does? <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I know you're from New Jersey. <laughs> yes, I don't know that shit. Um, but I need to go to Roma. Mm-hmm. I need to go to that restaurant. Like, I need to sit at that table, and I need to eat that pizza, drink that wine. And that's really, like, one, number one on my travel list for when we can go places. Yeah, I also need to go to the restaurant that um, Dorit and Kyle ate at after their sidecar <gasps> thing and get the spaghetti that Kyle was eating, the Pomodoro. It that, looked so good. That pasta looked insane i actually think it might have been at their hotel like the restaurant at their hotel because rena just like walked in maybe yeah um also claudia and i when we were watching together like we were dead over church oh my god that was so precious that like church was just the answer to all of their quandaries and you know we speak about that sometimes how it's like sometimes you feel so lost within yourself and like you don't know what to do like you just pray no you just like turn to god and he's always there for you and i think that's beautiful um, unless you didn't buy a ticket previously and right. you can't get in that was so funny how they low-key didn't even go to church but i think the sentiment was there and god felt it right and they they as sutton said it was church by osmosis and i think that they needed to even just at least realize that they needed church it was a big step i really liked the church crew like i liked everything about that scene uh it was a good day i like that even teddy and erica went to the spa together even though like I couldn't what the find fuck two, do they talk about? Two more opposite people talking yeah. about Thanksgiving. Like, that's so relatable. Soon they'll be talking about the weather. <laughs> <laughs> no, totally. And the chef at Thanksgiving. Um, but really quickly, the only real note I had about the um, the final dinner was how, like, pleased and happy. I felt like Garcelle. Like, I was proud of Denise for finally sticking up for herself. And I just found it comical. Like, truly laughable. That these women took such offense, like, deep offense to her calling them mean girls. When, like, they have literally started one of the most, like, family like life ruining rumors about Janice now they're now pot hi you're the kettle I'm black um I totally agree and I didn't really understand it but I think that they have the sensitivity to that word because last season like the world called them mean girls about Lisa Vanderpump so Denise saying that they're mean girls confirms that they were mean girls last season too and I think they all feel like they're in a really good place with what happened last season and Mm -hmm. like they were all on the same team so for Denise to turn it around and be like no you guys are mean girls it's sort of a like undoes the narrative from last season now with this denise story i have a question for you mm-hmm. of all the women who do you think has been like the most like involved almost and like the like who's oh. to blame like when denise says mean girls who was she talking about first on the list I say it on the count of three. One, One two, two, three. three. Kyle. Kyle. Yes. yes. Okay. Wait. Because she's being so sneaky about it. She's having. She's literally become lisa vanderpump having teddy do her work for her. i agree now let's do number two on the list oh wait let me think let me think Okay. One, two, three. Lisa. Teddy. Uh, Teddy actually said it, so I guess, like, she has to be held accountable. But I feel like in a lot of ways, like, Teddy owes, De- uh, Teddy owes Denise nothing. Agreed. But I think when um, when Denise and Teddy, like, sit down, like, they, they can't talk about anything other than it. When Denise and Rinna sit down, they, they can get to, like, the heart of the issue and, and have a real conversation. I do think Rinna is third on the list of Mean Girls. Yeah. And then I guess Erica and Sutton are f- tied for fourth. I don't think Sutton's really involved. No, so actually, it would be Erica's fourth, Sutton's fifth, Dorit's sixth, Garcella's seventh. Like, yeah. in the list of who's yes. who's being the most antagonistic towards her. But And I don't think Erica and Sutton are involved either. But when you're sitting around a table, two people are... Uh, Kyle and Teddy are going hard at you. Another is backing them up, Rinna, and Erica and Sutton are nodding, nodding along. You've got a panel of mean girls. Agreed. Or at least 
that's how it feels. And I think that in the moment they didn't feel like they were being mean girls because they're stating facts as far as they're concerned. And you know what? They they might they might be facts, but like. And by the way, this group is very rooted in facts and honesty. Right, but the way that I felt, I feel like the way Denise felt when she said what are these girls are trying to ruin my life like yeah. what are they doing what is the point of this and that's right. what it, sure it's facts but like are you trying to ruin a woman's life that's a good point like what is the point of it like they're they're dying on this hill of like the point of finding out the truth about the sex thing is so that we can find out if you did a couple months ago say this mean stuff about me to your friend in private like it just to me it's like the risk is not worth the reward yeah Ruining Denise's life just so we can find out if for once and for all she did say Teddy lives in the shadow of her father's image or whatever. Yeah. Whatever. I feel bad for Denise. Um, I'm looking forward to next week. I obviously, I'm like dreading Brandy coming because like I'm really over this narrative. I really am. Yeah. And also like I do want to see Brandy and Denise talk because when Brandy says something, I'm like, oh my God, Brandy's telling the truth. Brandy doesn't lie. Then Denise says and I'm like, I'm with Denise. So I want to see the two of them talk and then see how I feel. I am with Denise. Like, and is that an unpopular... Okay, so I've looked at it a little bit. Since we're not watching in real time, I haven't been looking at Twitter. But when I was, like, a few weeks ago, I think people on Twitter agree with us that, like, okay. the, the women are being mean. But we never agree with people on Twitter. So, like... Right. Are um, we in the majority or the minority? I can't tell. I think, like, we're always in the minority. We always. are the minority. Mm-hmm. That is who we are. And I think that we are agreeing with the majority right now, which makes me feel like we're wrong. I love that. You you like being... No, I love, like, agreeing with people. It's everything. Okay, but I'm sure people will disagree with us. Actually, I feel like, I don't know, I, but then I also feel like a lot of people are just, like, living for the gossip and, like, right. and Denise needs to own up. And, and this like, this is, is our true. first season without Lisa Vanderpump, but it's just as good. Yeah, so, I don't know. We'll see what happens, but it... It was a great episode. It was a great episode. Obviously, honorable mention to Dorit's off-white look in the Vespa. I'm so glad they went Vespaing and that that look did not go to waste. I've been loving her little flipped hair. Her pizza outfit was also sickening. Sickening, a little tweety moment. Mm -hmm. And Erica's pizza outfit was beautiful, stunning, and smart. And just such a concept. She really is like conceptualizing these looks from start to finish hair makeup accessories clothes it's really something beautiful to see it's beautiful to see and also garcelle's church look everything of the sort and when garcelle was walking to church with sutton in her cute little church look and they had matching umbrellas to their outfits it was just a beautiful little moment i hope i hope they got a photo you absolutely love to see it i do love to see it i love to see an umbrella matching an outfit and speaking of things i love to see we must talk about potomac if I'm being honest, it was not my favorite episode. I didn't really feel like anything happened, even at the end, which is like obviously always supposed to be the climax. To me, the most shocking moment of the episode was when Sharice walked in because they didn't share that in the preview and I was really like no, shook by it. I feel like they did share that Sharice was coming. And yes, Sharice's entrance was shocking, but the way that everyone handled her was just like made me so happy. I really do not like Sharice. I never have. I don't think I ever will. <laughs> And now that obviously I ride with Monique mm-hmm. and, and no place else, mm-hmm. now I have cause to not like Sharice. Yeah. And I just love that Monique stood up and walked out because that's truly what you do when you hate someone. Yeah. You don't even fight with them. They are not worth your time. You will not give them an iota of energy. your energy. And you just get up and walk out. And that is how you treat a real enemy. Like, off show yeah off camera and the fact that Charisse isn't a cast member means that Monique doesn't have to sit down and take it and Monique is not about to make her a cast member no not at all exactly I also think that the editing was really on point when Charisse walked in because for me Charisse kind of represents (laughs) like ghosts of housewives past like 
she was on when no, Potomac like every- was so new, and like I just don't even remember her. Like she has this ghostly spirit he- to her, and literally the editing and the, the music, like she was <laughs> Casper, like a ghost just rolling in the party. And I was just so shocked to see her. I really that was like the I felt a lot of emotions when she walked in. Okay, because I recently watched all the seasons of Potomac. Like I am more familiar with Sharice, but like. Every franchise has a Sharice. Yes. Like, someone who was in the early seasons. Jill Zarin. Who did no, but Jill Zarin is, like, part of New York City canon. Like, she, like, Sharice to me is, like, closer. Well, technically so is Sharice. No, 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 no. Like, Sharice is closer to Alex McCord, where it's like, why were you even on the show? You were on the show for longer than you deserve to be. Yes. And now you're coming up here and there, and, and I don't enjoy it. Alex McCord was here, and then she was gone. Sharice is a ghost who's haunting the Potomac streets. Yes. Yes, I'm trying, like, Sharice is kind of like Adrian Maloof. Yes, yes, yes. And Because when you think of the time Adrian Maloof spent on Housewives, and you think of the time Sharice spent on Housewives, it seems like an eternity ago. Yeah, not for me, because I just watched them all. Yeah. But yes, I understand how you feel. But, so, this is how I feel about this episode, because there's not much to, to think. But, like, obviously the main fight of the group is Ashley and Candace. And the way that they're fighting, like is reminding me of season one when Ashley used to fight with Karen. And, like, Karen would just say to Ashley, like, you're a child. Talk to me when you have a child, mm-hmm. like, a kid, and, and you're mature. And that's how I feel about Ashley and Candace now. Like, Candace is so immature, and now Ashley is a mother. Yeah. And she's just, like, on a different, like, wavelength. And I really do feel like for the housewives who have ch- who are, like, raising children right now, like, they just have so much on their plate that they don't, like, go after every little thing like Candace does. Yeah. Ashley seems, like, so disinterested. Like, if she makes up with Candace, great. If not, she like doesn't care it seems like her life is now full of other things yeah and it's no longer a priority i feel like when she first came on the scene like her job was to make everyone like her or be a part of the narrative and like cause fights she was so messy and nitpicky and she used to like air everyone's dirty laundry and repeat things that people said and just start fights and stir the pot because really that was like what she had going on yeah and now that's candace yeah and ashley has become to me like more similar to karen where it's like I had, like, Ashley will just do anything to protect this child from the rest of the world, yeah. germ-wise. But it yeah. also includes, like, this energy of her fighting with people that she doesn't care to fight about. Also, I will say that Candace didn't invite Ashley to her lame-ass one-year anniversary party. Like, a party that meant absolutely nothing to her. So lame. But the fact that Ashley invited Candace into her home after the horrible things mm-hmm. that Candace said about her. And you and I watched it, and we paused the On screen. The tweets. And read all of the tweets, and, like... If anybody said those types of things about me, like, mm. not only would I never speak to them again, but I get, I understand that she has to, but to invite her into her house when she's been nothing but completely nasty, even at the dinner, like, so reluctantly apologizing. And yes, maybe Ashley has things to apologize for, but you go first, Candace, because your oh, apology's bigger. And it's more necessary. I totally agree. To let someone who's really disrespected you and your family and and your baby into your house with your baby is Ashley's a bigger person than I am. But that's also why Ashley is a top-notch housewife because she, like, she's the definition of dishing it out and taking it. Yeah. She goes so hard stirring the pot, repeating what everyone said. Literally, people are talking about Candace five minutes later. Candace walks in and now she's like, I wanted to tell you what we were all saying about you. Yeah. But then when it comes to her... She is very quick to, like, understand this is the nature of the game, and and she lets Candace into her house, and she doesn't really hold a grudge, which I think is really respectable. She really owns it. Yeah. Um, My favorite part of the episode, and one that made me feel a deep feeling of discomfort, was Giselle's birthday party on the boat, which, honestly, like, 
I am rooting so hard for Jamal and Giselle and like I just want their family to be happy and I find it so shocking that their kids aren't like so gung-ho on their parents getting back together when Giselle was like I saw Parent Trap I thought all kids of divorce want their parents to get back together it's a dream it's a fairy tale and I totally agreed with her and that dinner was just like I was trying so hard to like not feel uncomfortable but it was just so deeply uncomfortable and I just I understand their kid that her, her kids have their like qualms about their relationship but to this day they're still together so I feel like there's something there, and I trust Giselle. I don't yeah. think she would have gotten back into a bad relationship. No, and, like, definitely things are going to get better. Maybe just it's some growing pains for the family, but having to watch it Oof. on the show was just, like, so awkward. And you could see that Giselle was, like, really trying to, like, make it seem, like, good and, yeah. and funny and fun. And then, like, in her confessional, she's like, that was not fun. No, it was it was terrible. Yeah. And it looked so nice. I know. And, like, there were a few things that were just so... That, that just didn't land. Like, yeah. the surprise. Of course, like, at first when Jamal says he has a surprise, like, is he moving back to Potomac? That's what I thought. Is he proposing? Mm-hmm. Like, there are so many surprises. Is it Nicki Minaj tickets? So cute. No, he bought them a restaurant. Which, by the way, like, as a parent... As an adult, I can realize that that's an amazing gift to a child. That's like, you know, when Kanye gave Kim stocks for her birthday. Like, what's a better investment than that? Right, but when you're a kid, it's like, oh, so we're not going to Nicki Minaj? Right, but, you know, that restaurant looks pretty fire when they showed us a picture of the inside. They look like they have a mean bread basket. Yeah, but that was just, like, a weird gift to give on to TV. the kids on TV at Giselle's birthday. And then even when the girls went to the bathroom and Giselle and Jamal were talking, it was like, uh contentious a little bit like I can't be happy without you and like maybe they're just getting comfortable in front of the camera yeah but I just thought when Giselle and Jamal like were gonna be on TV together having like a romantic sunset cruise Mm -hmm. it was gonna be everything of the sort yeah it didn't give me what I needed when the kids got up I'm like great now they're gonna kiss but they didn't even embrace yeah now we get to see them together being romantic we haven't seen them together since like season one when they had lunch as divorced couple and it just, like, wasn't what I thought it was going to be. I just need to give props because she looked so amazing. Finally. Her outfits, you guys. Her outfit on the boat was top-notch. And her glam was everything. And that that almost saved the night. Speaking of an outfit I really enjoyed, I thought Karen looked phenomenal at the baby shower. I loved her blonde curls. I loved her Fendi romper. I think she looked stellar. And she, she from season one, and nobody has had a bigger glow up in Housewives History than Miss Karen Huger. Yeah, no, she did look great. Karen was really quiet this episode, and yeah. she's only chiming in to defend Candace. And I understand, like, that's who Karen is, and like, Monique and Candace are her closest friends in the group, and like, she will never gang up and she will always defend, even when like They're the wrong. viewers might think that she's wrong. But that's why we love and respect Karen. Yeah. Um, and also, who looked phenomenal was Monique at the sip and see. Oh my God, the neon yellow dress. neon dress moment with the bag that Sutton gave the women yes. on Beverly Hills. Just like. Sickening. So sickening, so stunning, beautiful, smart, everything stunning. of the sort. Has to go record her podcast. Like Lo- a relatable. We love a podcast queen. We love a podcast queen. And and her just getting up and dismissing Cherise, like, yeah. to me, is the biggest power move. No drama. Like, literally, just she's there, no, and then she's gone. Like, I'm not going to even give you a soundbite. Good day, sir. I, I said it. good day. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about Wendy because it's really tough. I feel like she's coming off as Candace's friend, and yeah. Candace is, like, kind of the villain. And I actually respect her for... Not just sitting by quietly for getting involved in defending her friend who she doesn't know any of this, these women. She doesn't know the history. She owes her friend, you know, the respect of having her back. But my God, like, I want to like her. But every time she speaks, it's about defending Candace. And so much of what Candace does and says is indefensible. But I did find her home life really, really interesting. Her two 
kids who I think are twins. I think they're twins. They're so cute. Are so cute. I found her background um, fascinating. Four degrees, like insane. I, there's a lot. I think there's a lot to unpack. I enjoyed watching her home scenario, which is big. Like there. I find home stuff to be. Home stuff can go really either way, but I really enjoyed her home moments, and that bodes well for her. But I agree, like, we need to get away from Candace. And it's frustrating because if we loved Candace and she was being unfairly ganged up on and this friend came in to have her back. we love Wendy. A la Leah and Tinsley, Mm -hmm. a la Garcelle and Denise, we would love her. But unfortunately, like, she's going down on this Candace ship. But she needs her own storyline because when she was at home and removed from the Candace situation, I was like, this woman's fabulous. Yeah. But every time she's in the group setting, she's just blindly defending her friend which I appreciate but her friend is so wrong I, know. I need more Wendy narratives with I need Wendy like this Wendy and Karen thing I know is gonna be fascinating I agree and I understand that these things take time like for relationships to like start awesome. to have these sorts of dynamics but this was episode three and I still don't feel like I know where Wendy is gonna fit into this group yeah and the clock is ticking is all I'm saying like the, it's not over like it obviously she has time but the clock is starting to tick it is weird that like that was the first we got one last week a small one but this was like the big her first big home piece for Wendy and I feel like episode three is kind of late yeah I guess but I feel like now I'm ready to, like, learn more about her. And now that I know more about her background and her home life, I want to, like, see, more. see how that plays out with the women. And just right now, even if she's, like, going to lunch with them one-on-one or whatever, like, yeah. it's just not happening. Obviously, like, next week, I mean, if I were her, this is what I would do, which it seems like maybe she does, is, like, go to lunch with Karen. Be like, why yeah. are you always pretending like you don't know me? What's the tea there? I need to know. And then Karen will be like, I'm not impressed. But and why then, wasn't she impressed? Of course. We're going to find, we're going to get to the bottom of it. And Karen's then, so annoying when she does shit like that, you know? I know, but then she always delivers. Yeah, so maybe she's holding on to some receipt or something about yeah. Wendy. She's just waiting for like the Candace Ashley stuff to blow over. Yeah. But it's like, I just don't know how Ashley can leave her own sip and see, walk down the street and have a conversation with this woman who called her a all roach. of those names. With her um, concubine allowance to buy a Forever 21 bag. Like, <laughs> I can't. Yeah, I'm just really not into Candace. And I feel like slowly but surely, she just has no alliances in the group anymore. Yeah. And I'm afraid that might result in her not being on the show anymore. Because you can be a part of the drama all you want. But if at the end of the day, you don't have any connections with the women. Like, no one's going to take you one-on-one to lunch. Like, that unfortunately means you're irrelevant to the show. Yeah, but right now she's cool with Karen yeah, and, Wendy. and Wendy. So I'm I'm not worried about that for her, but I just need to see some character development and stop with these like fake storylines. We're going to shop for an outfit for Chris's niece. Oh, and Chris's while- daughter. <laughs> right. <laughs> and while we're here, let's get a gift for Ashley. It's so like Contrived. calculated. Yeah. Like totally. this is in 2007. We've been watching reality TV for almost 20 years. We're better than this. Make it more believable. I couldn't agree more. Um, you think we're done with the Potomac recap? I, I think we're done with the Potomac okay, recap. Okay, I just think it's worth saying now that we're officially done with it. We did not mention Robin once. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that speaks volumes about Robin's place on the show. I know, but you know what? I kind of like Robin as, like, this constant. Like, I still want... Okay, this is what I want from, like, the Robin in my life. Yeah. I don't want any home scenes of her and Juan. Agreed. I want her... I want her to be a friend of Housewife, truly. Like, I want her to be at the events because, like, when she does chime in, it's like, she's really just a spectator and I actually think she has really good judgment and is, like, a, a, a good person. So I just do like to hear what she has to say. Like, Whose side she's on. Yeah, like, when she jumped in at the dinner for yes. Ashley and... and Candace was like, shut up, Robin. Shut the fuck up is what she yeah, said. Yeah, that's the worst when someone literally tells you to shut up and you're like, I'm not going to shut up. Yeah. And then <laughs> you get into like that, back into that yeah. corner of like, no, I'm you not- shut up. I'm going to shut up. You shut up. <laughs> She's just like, it's sad. I, I, you know what? I know you, like you used to not like her and no, I no, always. No, no, I, I don't like her, but I, 
I don't have enough cause to dislike her. I have always had a very soft spot in my heart for her. One, because I just like her friendship with Giselle. I think it's so genuine and real. And two, she has a very peaceful aura. There's something calming about her voice. But at this point, it's like, I legitimately forget she's there. And that's not good. No, no, it's not good. I I think that you're idea of her being a friend of housewife is actually perfect because that's really what she is right now and and i wouldn't even mind if she still holds the champagne glass like because whatever might live with ballers but she does not get played no Um, even though it seems like every episode she's getting played (laughs) she's really getting played yeah sometimes like she just brings like this fun energy she doesn't take too much away from the show and she doesn't take anything so seriously like she is she's a great person on a trip yes i agree she's She's down to go swimming like she's fun yeah yeah i totally agree with you but yes it is interesting that we didn't mention her once not one single time not one single time but next week she's the one who repeats to giselle that candace called her a monster and like that that's That's actually we need that's the beef that we need right now is candace versus giselle because i do feel like candace versus monique it's like kind of boring one two they're like they're they were too close of friends that now it's like I don't I just don't she Candace says Monique's different off camera mm-hmm. and like I, I can't attest to that I don't know what she's like off camera right and that's annoying when people bring that up yeah so I feel like Giselle is the one who could maybe put Candace in her place which is what she needs I don't think she needs to be like off the show yet or anything but she is just so brazen mm-hmm. and I find it to be uncalled for like she really goes hard 100% with every single fight whether it's big or small or she's wrong or right and there needs to be levels like she needs she's the definition of she needs to pick her battles yeah no you can't be like bent out of shape over every little thing no you cannot um Okay, so that was our Potomac recap. The Dear Toaster segment is brought to you by Stamps.com. As we slowly adjust to a new normal, we still need to be smart about how we do business. Luckily, there's Stamps.com to make things easier. Thousands of small business owners have discovered the benefits of Stamps.com in recent months. They've been able to keep their businesses running and avoid the crowds at the post office all from their own computers. And a couple podcast hosts who have business to do but are located in a remote house were able to use Stamps.com to send out a very important piece of paperwork last week. They and, were. We, and we are very grateful. With Stamps.com, you can print postage on demand and avoid going to the post office. And you'll save money with discounted rates you can't even get at the post office. Stamps.com also offers UPS services with discounts up to 62% and no residential surcharges. Stamps.com brings all the mailing and shipping services you need right to your computer in the comfort of your own home or office. Whether you're a small business sending invoices, an online seller shipping out products, or just working from home and need to mail stuff, Stamps.com can handle it all with ease. Simply use your computer to print official U.S. post. 24 7 for any letter any package any class of mail anywhere you want to send once your mail is ready just leave it for your mail carrier schedule a pickup or drop it in a mailbox it's that simple and like we said with stamps.com you can get great discounts too five cents off every stamp and up to 62 percent off usps and ups shipping rates stamps.com is a no-brainer because it saves you time and money and right now our listeners can get a special offer that includes a four-week trial and free postage and a digital scale without any long-term commitment. Just go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in TOAST. That's Stamps.com. Enter code TOAST. All right, now our advice segment, Dear Toasters. You can always write us anonymously if you email DearToasters at gmail.com. You want to get some advice from us. You know, we give award-winning advice over here. Award-winning. So, again, that's DearToasters at gmail.com. If you ever want to write us in, thank you to everyone who has. And let's dive right in. Hi, Claudia and Jackie. Thank you for being the brightest light in my day. Wow. And now week. 
You're welcome. I love you both so much. I need serious help. Ugh, I'm sorry. My family hates my boyfriend, and I don't know what to do. We've been together in a serious relationship for two years. We just got back from vacation, and they all literally bicker the entire time and got him on... For the, on the smallest things like drinking the last beer, eating too many snacks. Oh my God, that's so mean. <laughs> I love my family dearly and I'm very close to them, so it's breaking my heart. They confronted me saying he isn't nice to me. He gives me backhanded comments. He's cheap and they just don't like him and cannot see me marrying such a person. My mom told me specifically that if I continue to date him and she doesn't see him change for the better, I should break up with him or she will lose respect for me. Wow. I'll be honest. My boyfriend can sometimes be brutal. He's very logical and won't do things unless he's 100% believes in them. And he's very opinionated and vocal, as is my family. I think that sometimes he can hurt my feelings with the things he says. They're not derogatory or abusive, just small stuff. But deep down, I don't think he means to be harsh. He's 26 and makes six figures, but his excuse for not spending a lot of money is that he's trying to pay off his debt and save for a house, which I obviously respect, even though it can be annoying sometimes i know he cares about me and loves me but now my family is making me question everything to the point that i can't even speak to anyone and i've isolated myself completely am i in too deep to realize what he's doing how do i tell my boyfriend that my family hates him i feel like there needs to be a conversation but i don't want it to be constructive and not i want it to be constructive and not mean i just don't know where to start please help a conflicted toaster that's so tough it is so tough but i feel like part of you should like listen to your family like your family genuinely wants what's best for you and is able to see things from a totally like outside perspective and you might think they're being harsh but they might see like really problematic like patterns yeah I think that you're so close to it that what they're seeing you obviously wouldn't see because you see it through your own lens and I think you really need to process what they're saying and like know that they're seeing something they're not unless you have just a family who likes to start stuff but I think most parents and siblings would want what's best for you and it seems like the things that they're saying are like taking the last beer like in a family when you're just the boyfriend like is kind of selfish and like you should you should ask first and no like when you're still like trying to ease your way into the family like you do have that sort of decorum I mean that's obviously not a deal breaker when you're also a guest you get the last beer but like him being cheap and stuff and or being mean to you like if your family is seeing that there you need to really consider it I will also say that maybe you consider these things and you realize that you don't see it that way and you love him mm-hmm. and he's 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 great and you one do not tell him that no. they don't like him don't you take that shit with you to, to the, the grave, grave. And you just will have to live. There will be a weird dynamic. And hopefully over time, like, everyone starts to mesh better. And I do think that that would happen. But it's something that you're going to have to deal with that your family doesn't like your boyfriend. But you love him and you're going to stick up for him. And and you think he's a great guy. And you just need to be really sure of that to have, like, the the courage of your convictions. Yeah. Because it can be really hard tiresome to constantly defend this person if they're not worthy of your defense. I would also just genuinely listen to your family first. Like, be really honest yeah, no, with yourself. Take that time and, and, and really hear what they're saying. But if you do come to the conclusion that they're out of line and that is not the reality of the situation, you need to be prepared that it's going to be, like, really fucking annoying for you. Our next year toasters is quite the turn. I'm sorry to, you know, make such a drastic turn, but it's quite shocking. Okay. Hi, Jackie and Claudia. Hi. How you doing? Uh, I'm nervous now. I need help and I don't feel comfortable asking my friends, so please help me. Okay. My boyfriend of three years has generally been someone who prefers to masturbate instead of having sex. I've always thought it was kind of weird, but I just kind of shook it off. I was cleaning the other day and found a bag with his sex toys open underneath the pile of towels. I kid you not, there was a big dildo in that bag and it has me shook. Why would a boy have a dildo? Is this weird? Does this mean he's gay? I have absolutely no idea how to bring this up to him, and I'm kind of thinking that I shouldn't. Please give me all your thoughts. Love you so much. I mean, a 
conversation must be had. I mean, it's one thing if you guys are not aligning sexually in your relationship, but if there's like a whole thing that he's hiding. That he's into and he he doesn't feel comfortable sharing with you. I actually was having this conversation um, a while ago with friends about pegging. What's that? When a girl wears a a strap on and... Does anal with a boy? Yeah. Okay. Fucks him in the ass. (laughs) Yeah. What did you think? And, and whether or not, like, you think that that's gay. And everyone was sharing their mm-hmm. um, opinion. So I actually think that this is really interesting. And so everyone kind of felt, like, differently about the situation. But I don't necessarily feel like that that means that your Me partner either. is gay. But, like, if that is what he's into, maybe he doesn't feel comfortable yet sharing that with you. But, like, there is a way for you to participate in that with of him. Of course. If you're comfortable with that so I do feel like definitely a dialogue needs to be had and it might bring you to a place where like you're going to be having more sex something that yeah. he's into but please make sure that it's something that you're comfortable with too and, and not something that you're just doing to please your boyfriend to like save the relationship yeah but I obviously you know you guys need to talk about this I would also be very sensitive how you broach a subject because he doesn't want to feel like you were rifling through his things or you're being judgmental because he's been keeping a secret it's obviously something that he has a little shame associated with yeah but I don't think it's, like, because he never wanted you to find out. Maybe he didn't know how to bring it up to you. So I do think that if you guys want to move your relationship forward and you should be having sex and enjoyable sex for the both of you, like, this is something that you guys will have to talk about at some point. And I think it's good that you found it. You should be prepared and, and bring it up and also decide if that's something that you would be comfortable with. I think it's extremely personal mm-hmm. and it would be different for everyone. Yeah, but if you want to get down and dirty, do it. Do it. Do it. Fuck him in the ass. Um, those are our Dear Toasters. Again, deartoasters at gmail.com. Always, we'll keep it anonymous for you. Feel free to write in. I feel like we're very reasonable people. I think we are very reasonable people. You know, honesty is the best policy unless your parents hate your boyfriend, in which case, shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. Um, but someone who we don't want to shut the fuck up is our next guest. We're so excited. Please enjoy our amazing, hilarious interview with the one and only wonderful Emma Chamberlain. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Welcome back, millennials, and more specifically, Gen Zers, because we are so excited to be joined by a true icon and someone we talk about here a lot on The Morning Toast, the one, the only, Emma Chamberlain. Hi, Emma. Hi. Thank you guys for having me. We're so excited. The pleasure is all ours. It's such a pleasure. And the pleasure really belongs to our little sister. So we don't want to ambush you. Um, but our little sister would literally like slit our throats in our sleep if she didn't like join and say hi. She is literally your number one fan. By the way, I'm not that little. I'm literally yeah, 23. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I literally was like, this guy really made it sound like she was 11. So I was like, this hi. is her nanny. Oh my God. We oh, did literally. make it sound like oh, she was God. So Her name is Margo. We call her Snitch and we call her Snitch Chamberlain. She loves you and she just looks up to you and she would like be so mad at us if we didn't let her get in the it's Zoom. True. Well, I would be mad too. It's so nice to meet you three. So nice this you. is oh my the God. best day of my life. Understand. Like this is my this is the best name. day of her life. You crying when you got your haircut in your YouTube video? Like I have laughed about that for every day Centuries. since I've seen it. Since I've seen it. Same. Same. Okay. Well, thank I love you the blonde, for by being the, way. the best. She loves the blonde. Me too. I'm so glad that I finally found a hair color that didn't make me look like um, a Harry Potter character. So I'm feeling really no. good about that. <laughs> You, you look great. I feel like I've been following you a lot in quarantine, and I think you're one of the people who's actually thriving in quarantine. Honestly, I kind of agree. In the beginning, I was like, this is awful. I don't know what to do, whatever. But now, this is like the best thing that's ever happened to me, and I love not hanging out with anybody, and I love the self-discovery 
and like I'm learning how to do my makeup. I mean, it's been good. Like I don't yeah. hear. You look good. Thank you. And I get to like go outside, you know, a little bit here and there, like sit in the sun, I guess. I mean, it hasn't been the worst for me. I feel like I'm making it through in a good way. That's good. That's Doing always the best good you to can. hear. Have you learned any new skills? Well, <laughs> I have been trying to like, I mean, I've had so much time, right? So let's say when I need to get ready for something, like say I need to get ready for this. I'll like take an extra hour to try and make my makeup look really good. And that's yeah. something that I never had the time for before. So that's kind of fun. Um, besides that, I got really good at Fortnite and that's super embarrassing and I don't want to talk about that. Um, and then I quit recently because I was like, you know what, Emma, we need to move on from this. This is not, this is not admirable. So then I stopped that, but that's about it. I also learned how to do puzzles uh, quickly. I'm such a puzzle girly girl and there's truly nothing more accomplishing than finishing a puzzle. Oh, I know. It's like serious endorphins. I mean, Do you have really. dogs? You have cats, right? I do. I have cats. You have to make sure they don't pick up a, a piece in their mouth because don't ask me how many times I've finished a puzzle without the last piece. Oh, that almost happened with one and I'm not kidding. I Luckily, they just knocked it off the table, but I'm serious. I, I, I almost was like, mom, can you just take the cats? Like, I can't. <laughs> I'm so sorry, but this is, they're ruining things that are very important to me. Um, no, that's terrible. They're still here on my bed now, but you know. That's cute. Okay, so you are here. You're launching a new project, The Ideal Planner, which is a planner, but it's, it's beyond the stereotypical, like, you're going to do great today, planner, which can be right. a little, um, honestly, sometimes condescending, and I love that you're taking a different approach to it. So tell us a little bit about this project, how it came to be, why- We love a planner. Love. Like, so hard. Same. Same. Well, I mean, obviously same, because I made one, but- um, <laughs> But I agree, like I've always just gotten so like cringed out by the planners that you buy, you know what I'm saying? Like they're always so corny and again, condescending. Like the way that they're telling you how to like, you know, set goals and do all this stuff. It's like, it just doesn't feel inviting to me. It almost makes me feel like I'm a piece of shit. So totally like, yeah. And I don't know why they're all like that, but I was like, you know what? I want to take a different approach. I want a more, you know, comforting and relatable form of a planner so that more people are inspired to plan and be organized and stuff like that, because it's so important. And I feel like it's been one of the staples of my organization routine since I was literally in fifth grade. And I just wanted to share that joy with everybody, but I feel like a lot of people are kind of put off by the, by the vibe of normal planners. So I wanted to create the complete opposite and also put like some fun stuff in it so that it's kind of also like something that you could bring on a plane and like doodle in, or if you have anxiety and you want to go sit in your backyard and like doodle in it or do whatever, like those are options too. So I felt like it was the perfect ideal planner. That was kind <laughs> of my approach. I see what you did there. Well, it says yeah. it has journal pages, custom mood boards, puzzles, games, list, corny quotes, cool designs, and silly messages from you. I think that's a great idea. I love that you thought of it with like planes in mind because yeah. there's just never anything to do on a plane. And now I've got a puzzle. I've got a journal. I've got games. I think that's fabulous. Exactly. Thank you. And also sometimes we need to get off our phone and stop playing Candy Crush on the plane. That's my personal opinion. Continue. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Also, you add the days that you want to plan for. So, cause like sometimes there's days on my planner that are just 
completely empty. And it really gives me shame, 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 same, absolutely same. And so that's why I was like, I want to make it so that you can pick this back up. Like you put it down for a month and then you can pick it back up and you can like start up, like you can, whatever. It's so flexible. Um, and I felt that for people who are new to maybe using a planner or, you know, are just, they're not in school. So they're like kind of have on and off days, whatever. Um, or they are in school, sorry. So they have like summer where they don't need to plan. And then, well, you know what I'm saying? So it's like being efficient with the space. It's not like any page needs to be wasted. And I thought that was- Yeah. I actually sometimes- (laughs) I I know what you're going to say and I do the same thing. I actually sometimes like backlog my planner so that when I look back on it, I feel more accomplished. I also like add things that are so fake and like not real (laughs) just so that I don't look like a piece of shit who has like one meeting a day. I'm like, take dog for a walk when I like was inside the whole day. Same. Same. And like, I'll, I'll literally put the dumbest, like, I will be like, take a shower. It's like, obviously, <laughs> take a shower, God bless. But like, no, I'm, I'm totally there. I, I do the same. That's so funny. Well, you talked, and I, I like that you had it in mind when it's like, whether you're having anxiety and you just like sometimes need your mind to take, you need to take your mind off things. Um, I think part of one of the reasons so many people like love you and your YouTube channel, and I know I can speak for our sister, our seven-year-old sister who um, <laughs> like loves you. I think what, what she really connects with you on is you're so open about mental health and a lot of people your age and even anyone's age is, are not open about it. And I want to ask you why you made that conscious decision to talk about it on your YouTube channel, um, be so open about it, and has that helped you in your journey? Totally. I have always, well, actually I wasn't always super open about it. Like in my real life, mm-hmm. um, I tended to kind of like hold it in whatever, but to me talking about it in front of a camera was almost like talking about it to myself, which I do literally every day anyway. And when nobody was really watching, you know what I'm saying? And it was like, my channel was a lot smaller and there was only a handful of people that were tuning in. Um, To me, it just felt like I was talking to myself and I was like, okay, it's easy for me to open up because I don't feel like a lot of people are watching, but also, so it's not like there's all this pressure, but also I feel like if somebody were to stumble upon this video, I feel like it would be useful. You know what I mean? Right. And so that was super important to me was like, okay, you know, it's not easy to talk about these things, but also if I'm doing it by myself, it's easy and somebody's going to get something out of it. So I'm going to push away that discomfort and I'm just going to do it. And then it became kind of like muscle memory for me where I just started to be super open in front of the camera. And it was not scary to me because I wasn't talking to somebody directly. There was no response. So I was like, this is easy. And then I started to see how actually people really were connecting to it and it was helping them. And then now it's just like, that's just how my brain works. And I do that in my personal life too. Now I'm constantly having these open conversations about, you know, mental health and how our brains are working, you know, uh, with my friends and family more than I probably would have otherwise, but seeing how like, you know, much it resonates with people through the internet showed me that like, we're all kind of the same, you know what I mean? We're all, we're all, we all are struggling with the same things. When you look at somebody and you're like, Oh my God, you know, they have it all figured out. They don't. And I think that, um, you know, once you realize that it's a lot easier to just kind of go for it and just, you know, have that conversation with everybody. 
and make it fun too. Like it doesn't always need to be super dark and depressing, you know? Yeah. And like, so serious. And I think lightening it up is why like a lot of young people really respond to the content you put out. Totally. Um, you're just doing like the most at all times. And I find it so interesting just as like someone who is involved in social media, just to see the different lanes like one can take. And I find like every time you launch a project or you work on something, it's so deeply personal and it's so different. Like I don't know anyone who's made a planner. I don't know anyone who launched her own coffee company and it's all very on brand for you. And I find it just so interesting to watch you. Um, Chamberlain Coffee, which is your coffee company, which is fabulous. I've heard rave reviews. I don't personally drink coffee, but if I did, I would be a Chamberlain Coffee girl. Amazing. <laughs> can you talk to me a little bit about how you decide you know, what projects to take on? Yes. Well, I definitely can't work on something for more than five minutes unless I'm obsessed with it. I get really, really bored and mad. Um, my team knows this about me and uh, it's probably annoying, but I genuinely get like, I have to work on things that excite me. And so I tend to lean toward, more towards like a passion project over something that's like kind of like a super big money maker. Like I'd rather you know, take my time and work on something that's super interesting to me and something that is exciting to me than something that like, I know will like, it, it's more like these things are passion projects for me, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's why they tend to be more personal is because I'm not as concerned about, you know, how much money I'm going to make from it or, you know, stuff like that with these like, more specific endeavors so like you know the planner being a good one coffee being a huge one that's like the biggest one i have going on right now it's like i i want to almost do it for me like mm -hmm. i i it's a dream of mine to you know do anything in coffee that's always been a dream of mine um so that's why once i had the opportunity i was like i don't really care about anything else except for making this exactly what i've dreamed of and that right you know other elements of it, uh, whatever. I just want to make this something that I'm obsessed with and that, you know, I'm excited about that I would buy and that, you know, I love, and then I can hope that everybody agrees. And, you know, if not, we'll figure it out, but I just do these things for me, I think. Um, and I mean, I also don't let anybody sway me any different way. Like be like, well, you should probably go this direction because this is doing really well right now or this or that. I'm like, no, I don't care. Like, that's not why I work on these things. Like I work on these things because they're like something I'm passionate about. You know what I mean? Yeah. So and it's like you create the coffee that you wish to see in the world or the planner that you want to use. Right. And then yes. it naturally becomes an extension of yourself. Totally. That's exactly it. Yeah. She created the podcast she wanted to see in the world right. too. A fellow, a fellow podcaster. podcaster. We have so much respect yes. for fellow podcasters. We must support other podcasters, podcasters, yes. supporting podcasters. Yes. And I feel like you're, you're actually like the perfect person for a podcast. I feel like you just have an interesting take on literally everything, like even the most small minutia. <laughs> um, and I think that's what makes your podcast so funny and interesting. And you, it's called Anything Goes for those who want to listen. Um, tell us about that. Tell us about the podcasting process. I feel like you have a lot to say. Okay. I don't know about you guys. Like, I know it's probably so different for everybody. I have the most weird strategy, like almost the most kitschy one too. Like I literally have my little handheld microphone thing. I take it into my closet because it like, you know, the noise, the echo. Yeah. Um, and then I lay on the ground, uh, in my closet with the microphone plugged in and I record my episode for probably like an hour and then every Thursday, I record on Thursdays, which is also when I post the podcast. 
And then um, I don't think about it again for the rest of the week and try to think about everything but it so that I can come up with new things to talk about by the next week. Um, and then that's that. I mean, I, I used to do, so I had two podcasts. I had one that was called Stupid Genius that now I like realized was just not the right direction to go. It was like kind of a science-based podcast. And um, I love science and that was like fun, but it just didn't work because didn't have the legs that it needed to have. And I ended up loving the podcast format so much that I was like, I want to make something that literally I can talk about whatever I want and like right. do whatever I want. Almost like how my YouTube channel is because my YouTube channel has no structure. It's just whatever mm -hmm. I want it to be that week. And I was like, why am I not doing that with my podcast? So I basically just turned it into that where I just do whatever feels right that day and talk about whatever feels right that day. It could be stories, advice, I might eventually have guests on. I don't know. I kind of hate that idea, but also we'll see. Um, I kind of like it to be my therapy time, but whatever. Um, but yeah, and I mean, I love it. Like, I really love it. And this new format with Anything Goes is so much better for me. And I just love to shoot the shit for an hour and then see what it edits into. And then, yeah, it's it's great. And I feel like it's a more intimate thing for me with, with the people yes. who, you know? It's yeah. very easy to get personal, like in your closet when you're wearing no makeup, laying on the floor. And I think that's why yeah. podcasting is such a fabulous format and why it's so popular is because you say things you would never say to your friends. You would might not say on your YouTube channel. There's just like a real level of calm and like uh, there's a therapeutic nature to it. Yeah. And the amount of talking that you have to do, like just allows you to get to the heart of the matter. You know, you can take your time with things. Totally. Yeah. Okay. So the ideal planner is out now. You can buy it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, anywhere you buy books, make sure to get it. If you're tired of being judged by your planner, which I know <laughs> I definitely am because today's just not the day I'm going to achieve my goals. It's not. And that's okay, Emma. It's okay. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Emma, for being here. I mean, I'm sure you guys already do, but follow Emma on Instagram, YouTube, and check out her podcast, Anything and Goes. Oh, wait, thank you for reminding me because I wanted to talk to you about TikTok. I mean, oh, great. I'm like the oldest person on TikTok um, <laughs> and I'm also like the worst at it. I have only 85,000 followers and like it kills me. And you like have really successfully converted your following onto TikTok. Honestly, one of the most successful I've seen, like major kudos. I'm like so jealous and happy for you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, can you talk about that? Was that like an intentional thing? Did you just like fall into TikTok and you loved it and you wanted to be creative or did you strategically be like, I'm going to be the next biggest TikToker in the world? Literally, no. Like for me, TikTok was something where I re-downloaded it because it used to be musically. I re-downloaded it. Um, I was like, I have no idea what to do here. I just started watching them and then I got obsessed with watching them. And then eventually I was like, okay, I guess I'll make them. And in the beginning, it was just so traumatizingly traumatizing to say, like, I can't look back at my old TikToks. It literally hurts my body. Um, <laughs> but then I just kind of like, started having fun with it. And to be honest, there was no thought process behind it. I literally just went on the app. I was like, this is what's popping right now. I'll check it out, whatever. It's kind of part of my job to kind of know what's going on. So I right. guess I'll go on there. I ended up really liking it. And then now I just use it honestly as like, kind of like a fun little, you know, it, it, there's, it's not a lot of pressure. You know what I mean? It's not right. like with an Instagram photo where I'm like, this outfit better be crazy fire, um, you know, whatever. Or like with my YouTube it's like this editing better be the best. Like it's not, I don't have those thoughts with TikTok. It's so mindless and that's why I love it. Um, but it's also fun. Cause I feel like the community on TikTok is so like intimate and everybody like 
everybody's in on the same inside jokes. And that's why I kind of love it, even though I also kind of yes. hate it. It's kind of an evil platform, but whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm happy to be on it. And I literally can't wait to watch your TikToks after we're done with this. Thank oh you. Oh my God. It, Emma, if you follow me on TikTok, like, I'll literally die. Also, can you agree <laughs> that there's, there's something really humbling about like watching yourself dance on TikTok? <laughs> oh my God. When I look back at my... When I look back at my old videos of me dancing, my friend and I used to dance and we would like, I was a cheerleader for like six years. I like love dancing. I can remember routine very quickly, which is a great skill for TikTok. God bless. <laughs> it is. But it's so hard. I know. And so that I can't imagine, like it's even hard. And I had to learn routines all the time being a cheerleader. And I can't imagine having no dance background or anything and trying to remember those. I would not be able to do it. Hi. It's so hard. It's How so are you? hard. It's so hard. And then you spend so much time trying to remember it and you're like, there's my whole day. No, and it's like not only when you're putting together the perfect TikTok, you have to remember the steps, which is easily the hardest part. You have to look like you're not trying to remember the steps. You have to be like, well, that's so right. (laughs) That is so it. It's so true because I will literally like get a dance down and um, or like whatever, and I will watch it back and I'll be like, Emma, why is your face like? You know, you're thinking, your eyebrows are crossed, you're like, one, two, sidestep, right, left. Your mouth is, like, pursed, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes! Yes. Totally. Well, okay, Emma's gonna go check out my TikTok. I have to go record better content, so I gotta go. Um, Thank you so much for being here. Again, check out all of Emma's projects. The Ideal Planner is out now on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and anywhere you can buy books. Thank you, Emma, for being here. We hope you had fun, and we will see you guys next week. Have a fabulous day. Thank you guys so much. Peace and love.